0: The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Join Navy Federal today so you can earn and save more on your daily spending. You can learn all about this and more at NavyFederal.org. I've never really bonded
1: with anybody until I went to Buds, and like I can you know tell you everybody that I went to Buds with, that completed Buds with me, everybody I went on a team with um like their lifelong imprint on my life because of the community.
2: This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening and watching, and please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button if you'd like to see the show. So today, before we get to our special guest, let's kick it off with our usual Patreon question of the day. And today we have, so we all know that parents tell their kids innocent little lies to get them to behave, listen, etc. What's the most ridiculous thing that you believed when you were a kid? And what's the most ridiculous thing that you've told?
3: I have mine. When I was told this when I was a kid, because I like to play outside. I was always the kid playing in the dirt outside. And I was told if I didn't wash underneath my fingernails, worms would grow in them. So I had to wash underneath my fingernails every day when I came inside. <laughs> and when I tell that to my kids, I tell them the same thing. I told Hunter the same thing. Yep, I learned little. that one from her, too. <laughs> that. Worms would grow out from your fingernails if you not wash them.
0: And another one: if you didn't clean the inside of your ears, then potatoes would grow out of your head.
3: Yes, I did I tell that. that one, I was told that as a kid, and I I do tell my
2: kids. I'm trying that. to reach deep for one. <laughs> Mine was a bubble gum. Like you swallow bubble oh, gum. Oh, seven, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: True. And that it would just kind of build up in there, and I always. If you watch
2: TV too much, you'll go blind. Or if you yeah, if, you, if you're too close you're to TV, make this face will stick.
1: Yeah. Don't make faces like that, because I used to. Yeah, you know, I've, as a kid, make faces at people and like it's gonna stick like that.
3: You keep doing that. I, th- I think we should. I do change. tell Ax, because Ax tends to like, not being mean, but in the car, he'll see someone and kind of like make fun of them a little bit. And I always tell him, whatever he's making fun of, his kid's gonna turn out that way. So it's horrifying. <laughs> it's just my it's way. It's Horrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> made fun of
2: some bad people. <laughs> I'm
3: telling him not to do it.
2: I, I hit him with this, if you if you open your mouth in a negative way about somebody at that moment there's somebody else talking shit about you.
3: Mm-hmm. Automatically. Which is probably true.
2: It's absolutely a fact. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Which is why when you throw stuff out in a good way and everything and you let the stuff pass. Isn't there a monster that lives in your nose if you pick your nose too much? It might... <laughs> I'm sorry. They're remember. randomly coming into my Fair. head now. That,
3: the the right, bubble like, gum thing made me think of the watermelon seed. Yep, same thing. I always, don't swallow seeds yeah, don't we swallow, watermelon,
2: watermelons growing on yeah. your belly. I forgot about that one.
3: Yeah, I remember Addy being like four and sincerely being worried that a tree was going to grow from her um, belly because she had eaten some side of some sort of seed. <laughs>
0: Mom, we have to get it checked out. Yeah,
3: like I need. I might have to been go. a pretty gullible
0: kid
2: too, you know. I kind of fell for most of that stuff, especially if someone who sold it to me.
3: Yeah, those are. Good, that's a good question.
2: Well, nowadays it's like the elf on the shelf is the biggest yes. lie that I tell my kids. You it's know, fle- they
1: they won't. Well, yeah, the elf's always <laughs> See, watching Susie. <laughs> So you're going to get, you know, bad report to Santa. Because, you know, Santa was the, the our deal, we didn't have Elf on Shelf as a kid. Yeah. But nowadays it's such a huge cultural shift and mm-hmm. now there's always a little doll watching you. <laughs> Back in our <laughs> day it was, oh. hey, find
2: my keys. You know, <laughs> or something that our parents had misplaced every yep. day. Yeah. Yep. That's how it all started.
3: The Elf on the Shelf has worn my ass out. I'm, I'm at the cusp of it being, but now Marcus took over a hundred percent so I don't have to do it, but... Accent out of your 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. I feel like it should be Well, then older. you start
1: shifting to where it's more fun than just adventurous. Yeah. And so it becomes like a prank type deal. My kids are still kind of young, so they like to see the, the
2: fun stuff. But
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah once you they... stop
2: believing in miracles, miracles cease to exist. <laughs> yeah. What are, what, what, yeah. Why are we even talking about <laughs> so it? Why I still believe in the tooth fairy, <laughs> you, you know? Be, no, yeah. What are we even talking about here? Next he question. He does
3: the elf on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, brother. Thanks for coming on and doing this. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, man. It's been a minute. You look right. good though. Thanks. You're welcome. It's broccoli. Spinach. Happy New spinach. Year too, twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four. What did twenty twenty three do to
1: you? <sighs> Ups and downs, man. I had some uh, lost opportunities and gained opportunities. Yeah. But uh, feels like our life. Yeah. No. Every year's you know, you got you can take it good with the bad, but uh, obviously the the good's gonna want to stick out the most, so Got a new job and position, uh, TBRS Group with uh, DJ and Cole running their training department. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, running their training department. I've been hearing great things about that. Mm -hmm. Dude, I didn't know you were
2: tied in with that.
1: Yeah, so they brought me on when they started because they initially wanted to do training, but then COVID hit and they got into gear and stuff. But everybody hits them up about training. So they started off with their their knowledge transfer courses, their KTC courses. um, And they had this whole plan, which was awesome the way they run it. It's not just training, it's like the the environment they create while we train, um, you know, they call it the the perfect training day. Like we wake up, we do fitness. Yeah, we eat breakfast together. You know, as
2: as like it works. Yeah, it works. No, the guys it absolutely <laughs> works, and I think we should st- we we because I'm, I'm getting back on my routine as well, and it, it feels like I'm happier that way.
1: Oh yeah, well, routines keep keep the body grounded, keep everybody. So happy. So
3: you're running that training program? Yep.
1: So now I'm the director of training and development, fancy title for hey Joe, you're running all the training so.
2: Um, All right, so, so let's, let's back this up, man. Let's tell everybody where you come from because the mm-hmm. best part about when SEALs come on the program is like it doesn't matter what we, we're going to find out about you.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And a lot of times, man, I'll run into some of our guys that I didn't even know their first name. I've known you for, for almost 30 years. Yeah. And like we don't know their names. <laughs> How great is that? Yeah. No, I mean, it's the greatest community to, to, to be a part of. I, I thought it was the best fraternity. It was worth every scratch of pain that we had to go through just to get, just to get it. I know. I, I, I wholeheartedly... I've, I've seen... And the longer I'm out, the more I appreciate that. Yeah. And the longer I'm out, the more I appreciate the length of our ass kick. It's hard to understand that in the beginning, but like with any team guy. Remember Buds? The day we graduated from Buds, you were like, "Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It just kept going, though. It just <laughs> kept going, right? It never stopped. So where, where were you born? Odessa, Texas. Yeah, you was tough at coming
1: yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> you were
2: tough coming so, Freaking Odessa yep. boys. I mean... My, uh, That's it's over there.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh I didn't I don't remember Odessa cuz uh, my brother and I were born there and we shifted to Austin area where my sister was born, but um we ended up in the Burnett area. Uh I was about 4, my mom developed uh, cervical cancer and uh she went through all the treatment processes and stuff like that uh, and she ended up passing away. Uh, I was about 5. Oh, well, man. Um I remember that cuz she was about 33 at the time. My dad was about 34 and uh you know, I was Four, my brother was five, my little sister was two. Um, So we went and stayed with uh, a lady from our church while they did her process and and burial stuff. Like we didn't get to go to her her burial. So I I didn't really put anything together until we came back and lived with our dad. We moved from the house we were at into another smaller house. Um, And we'd always pray before we ate. Um, We'd always pray for our mom, like hope she gets better or whatever. And he kind of broke down one day and he's like, hey, your mom's not coming back. Uh, She passed away. I remember that conversation. We were having macaroni and cheese because uh, that was a staple in the house at the time. Um, and my father took it real hard. Uh, kind of got into alcohol hardcore. Uh, and then shortly after that, the state of Texas came and picked us up. And,
2: oh, real hardcore.
1: Yeah. Like, he couldn't take care of us anymore. Um, and the state of Texas came and picked us up and put us into CPS foster care. I was about four and a half, five years old. When you were five? Yeah. Until how old? I graduated high school. On the whole system. Whole system. Talk about that. Um, I can remember the day I got picked up. Uh, I was in kindergarten, so we did half days. I got out at noon. Uh, they went and picked up my little sister from pre-K. It's called a Head Start program, and then my brother from the first grade because he got out of school later. They thought we got out of school together. Uh, I used to ride my bike to school. Believe it or not, kindergarten five bike that was too big for me. Because, I know we could do that too. I know can't do that anymore in kindergarten. Yeah, kindergarten. I, it was like four or five blocks away. Well, um, road back. Uh, the house was empty as usual. I remember usual. that being a great adventure, too. It was like a huge deal. Oh, yeah. we uh, They were always building stuff, and so I had dirt mounds everywhere.
2: Same with us on the side of the road when they were yep. working on the road. And you, Sweet, jumps everywhere. Texas, Sweet uh, jumps everywhere. Sweet jumps everywhere. I got that reference. Did you? Everywhere. Anybody else? No. Nobody? No. You did? I got okay, it. Okay, good. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, so, no,
1: uh, I, I was used to that. Every day I'd get out at noon because kindergarten was half day at the, the school I went to. Um, I'd ride my backpack, and house was usually empty because my dad was a mechanic at the time, and he usually would work until my sister got done with her school. It's like 2.33, and Dennis would just – my older brother would ride his bike home when he got done. Um, How many years older is he than you? Just one. Okay, check. Yep. So, yeah, uh, 4 o'clock rolled around. It was late. It started to get dark, and I was sitting at home by myself uh my dad comes in a panic comes into the house he's all like hey they took Dennis and Tiffany we got to go and I didn't know who they were and I didn't know what was going on so we piled in the yellow station wagon and we were pointed towards Oklahoma because that's where my aunt and uncle lived um and we started driving uh like an hour or so into it he he seemed like he'd been drinking a little bit so he kind of stopped on the side of the road breaking down crying I'm sitting there in the front seat because that's back in the day there's no such thing as car seats and Kids can sit where they want. There's a car seat.
2: There's a bunch of them in there, right? Yeah, yeah. The same thing. Yeah, it's
1: like free for all, pretty much. Right, standing up. Yeah. So he turned rack around. We went to the neighbor's house behind us, um, and then the next morning, CPS showed up with the cops and picked me up and went to foster care.
2: What's that like? Uh, it was scary because um, they're not mean to you. It's different normally when the cops show up and you know when you're when they're like getting the car. Yeah, I've had that happen. Yeah. And we have too when you get old when you were older. Yeah, but I mean when you're when you're young and you're scared to death as a kid, you don't know what's going on. You forget that when you get older. Yeah, no, but you it was, remember it very vividly. I do. It was it was weird because I was sleeping in the living room
1: at the neighbor's house behind us. Lights, you know, flashing lights were through the window. It was early in the morning, like five six o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, knock at the door, official police knock. Um neighbor opened it up and you know, they talked a little bit and pointed towards me and they kinda come talk to me. He's like, Hey, we're gonna wanna take you and take you to home, take your brother and sister. Um and that's it. Loaded up into a car and went to a emergency shelter. But uh Dennis and Tiffany were not there, they were at a different place. Uh so, so first by yourself or you got somebody with you? No, I was by myself. Went to a emergency shelter. They just sit you down there and uh yeah. Uh they just kinda hey, here's your bed um i know you don't have any belongings because you just got taken from your home so uh, we'll decide what we're going to do with you later most shelters is just like a temporary place yeah. before they place a kid or figure out what's going on with it it's like when the weather goes bad right everybody yeah. moves in are there just...
3: rooms or is it like a large uh, it's room like with a,
1: cots no i was it's i was the. i remember there were bunk beds and stuff it was just like a group home type setting or like a summer camp i guess um just a building full of rooms and mm-hmm. big kitchen and whatnot um, I don't remember the exact location of the emergency shelter, but I remember it. I remember walking through there. Remember getting a bunk bed, had a bottom one. Uh, yeah, and just didn't go to school for a while. Didn't know what's going on for a while.
3: When was the next time you saw your siblings?
1: Uh, a few years after that. Uh, I mean, we had wow. visits and stuff, but um, like we were in different locations because at first they're, you know, it's it's a temporary placing because they wanted to shake my dad and like, hey, you need to straighten out your shit. Want your kids back. Um, so a few years went by where, you know, we had visitations with our dad. Uh, he was supposed to be working towards, you know, making a home better for us. Uh, we actually went back temporarily for a week or two to kind of have a, a home visit. Um, but eventually that didn't work out and, uh, he ended up losing his parental rights and we got placed in the permanent foster care system. But, uh, the first time uh, I got to see and be actually with my brother and sister was, uh, beginning of second grade because I remember the home It was an Axle. uh, uh, family, uh, the Mosley's the name of the foster home. Um, but no, it was like after our dad finally lost his rights and they placed all three of us together in home.
3: Mm. That's so hard because at one moment you're happy that you're going to be with your siblings, but you also are never going to be with your dad again.
1: Yeah. That was tough. Uh, I always was kind of in deni- deniability a little bit. I always thought he was off doing some, you know, secret spy stuff or whatever. I always <laughs> made up stories in my head like, oh, he'll eventually get back. Um, but, you know, he, he never did. He kind of, once he got his rights terminated, he went on his own path and uh, started mine and the foster care
2: system. Wow. Oh,
3: that's heavy. really
2: good family?
1: Uh, yeah, they were a good family. Um, just a temporary one, because after your parents' rights get terminated, they start looking for adoption homes, uh, right. cause we were still pretty young. Um, so from second grade to start of the fifth grade, my fifth grade year, uh, we were with that family and then we were up for adoption. It was a Wednesday's Wednesday's kid got to stand on the news, talk about all the dreams and hopes that I had in an adoption home. Um, yeah, and then the home opened up that wanted three kids and, uh, where they said they wanted three kids, so we went and tried them out. And uh, there's like a six-month stay period. Uh, and at that time, it went in. If after about six months, they kind of were like, "Hey, we want the girl. We don't want the boys." Um, so we went. All three of us went back into foster care. They were trying to keep us all three together. Right, yeah. So, I mean, after that, uh, bounced around to a bunch of other foster homes. Uh, put us up for adoption again. Kind of a similar situation. Uh, my little sister was about eight at the time. I was about 12, 13. My brother's a little older. Um, another home wanted us, uh, but they actually just wanted my sister again. So six months went by. They were like, hey, um, we just want the little girl. We don't want the boys. Uh, and that was like the first man conversation I had with an adult. Uh, they were like, hey, uh, we can put all three of you back into foster care, uh, or you guys can let your little sister get adopted, and you guys can go back in foster care. Um, so my brother and I, well, that's easy. You know, let her go have a family. Right. So, 12, 13 years old, we're back into foster care again. So, we bounced around. To what a was bunch her of response family. to that? Uh, she was still kind of young. So, I um, mean, she was. She had a good family, though? No, nah, it was 50 50. Yeah. Um they weren't a bad family, but they weren't the greatest either. Sure. Uh, but um, the opportunity for her to actually have a family was something that Dennis and I really wanted for her. So, uh, we. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're not going to mess up her opportunity just because we're being selfish and drag her to a bunch of foster homes again. But now I bounced around a bunch of different other foster homes till I was 18 and graduated out of high school.
3: So how did, when did you get linked up with a CASA worker? Because a lot of people don't know about the CASA system, but it's actually like a third party advocate for you, right?
1: Yeah. So my last foster home I was in, um, actually moved into that foster home from another one, uh, because there was a whole lot of stuff going on my junior year where I was like, hey, I want to apply to colleges and stuff. I was all focused on uh, becoming a doctor. Like, I want to be a pediatrician. Um, the foster home I was at uh, didn't wasn't really focused on helping kids. It was more like a paycheck. So you actually get paid per foster kid you get, right, yeah. and there's level of cares to that. Um, and so they wouldn't take me to anywhere to get testing, and I couldn't apply to any colleges. I didn't have a job. didn't have a driver's license. I was like 17 at the time. Um, and I started getting a little bit of trouble to kind of get kicked out of that home. Uh, but the, some of the notes and stuff they were kind of portraying to the state of Texas bumped up my level of care a little too high and they were trying to submit me into a hospital. Um, the notes that they were taking, the progress notes, uh, they kind of inflated a little bit and lied about some of the behaviors I was having saying that I was suicidal and that I was molesting animals and stuff. Uh, which 100% was not true. Uh, the Foster home that took me in was my baseball coach. That was a Foster home in that same community. And like, they were like, hey, we know Joey. This is, this is not him. I'm like, what is this crap? I'm like, well, we have to, you know, full disclosure since you guys are, you know, trying to take this kid to your home. And they're like, well, screw that. We'll take him. You guys going to screw his whole life up. Like, he's a straight A student. Like, I was really good in school. That, that was my, all the Foster homes I went to, because I went to you know, dozens and dozens of homes that was like my own grounding was to go to school. Like school was my normal, normal, normalcy, Mm -hmm. I guess best way to put it. So I love school, I love going to school, I love the teachers. Um, I was never too much trouble in school. School was super easy for me. So I had really good grades despite bouncing around from district to district.
3: Were you with your brother at the time?
1: Uh, No, uh, I was completely by myself at that time. My brother was in a completely different spot, um, in a different home. Um, My sister was uh, at the adoption home. So. No, the the last family that I stayed with uh, was probably I still call them to day. I call them my parents uh, Wayne and Kathy they live in Lomita which is near Lampasas. Um now they they took me in. It's uh, a
2: neighborhood farm, a
1: little farm. Oh yeah? Yeah, 800 people in the whole town. Yeah. It is out there by Lampasas. Yeah. yeah. Tiny tiny little town. Now they took me up, uh, helped me, you know, work on the ranch and and get a job and I actually got my first savings account and Ended up taking my SATs and ACTs and crushed those because I got accepted to Texas A&M. Good for you.
4: Nice.
2: It's a country Harvard. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's,
4: that Harvard. was
1: that was.
2: That's great. That was hey, cool. that's our school. I mean, I'm. This is a den full of tigers, but you got an Aggie over here too, man. It's all you. yeah. <laughs> I also got accepted into the pre med program. Uh, so when I graduated high school, I went straight to A and M.
3: Did you have a scholarship going in? I did.
1: Had a bunch of scholarships actually. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Did you play sports growing up? I did uh not in individual sports, I was skinny, skinny, like my senior year, I weighed in at a, at a hefty one forty soaking wet yeah uh, good for you five eleven you know just i, I wouldn 't play in individual sports because I was always like i 'm not going to play track and field because I 'm never going to win first place because all these naturally talented you know athletes that played, but I played team sports, so the football, baseball, basketball were Which the- is big. And- yeah, my passes, I know, Lomita. yeah, Central mm-hmm. Texas. So um, now those are the top three sports, usually all around the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't play one of those three sports, you're looked at as a weirdo. Yeah. So I played all <laughs> three of them.
2: You've got something. Yeah. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah.
1: Are you,
3: <laughs> Hunter did that too. He's on that. So
1: I, I played all all three
2: of them. Make sure you play all three, just to
1: yeah. blend. Yeah. So I can. Because it was tough. I was constantly the new kid. Like my average stay at a home was probably six months. Um, shortest was the weekend. I, did they try
2: to keep you at the same school?
1: No, 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 I was all, to... over, all over Central so Texas. You're
2: a military brat without being a military brat. And
1: that's why I took the military so easily. Like, it was comforting, you know, getting, you know, orders and moving around and deploying and whatnot.
2: Like, it was never worth it. No weird big deal. Yeah. Same concept. I mean, yeah, I never thought about it like that.
3: You're at AM. Did you how, have... what's the trajectory of that? Because you ended up in the military.
2: Uh,
1: so the military wasn't ever on my radar. But uh, I did have like an like internal plan, like, hey, because. When I graduated high school, I didn't have anything. Like I didn't have you know, parents to lean on if I was in financial trouble or whatnot. I basically started working for the cafeteria at Texas A&M so I could eat get free food when you work at the cafeteria there. So I right worked at the Sabisa Dining Hall. was actually did really well there and ended up driving buses for the college because they paid a little more. Um, and I, military wasn't even on my radar, really, because I was maintaining what I needed to do. What year is this? 2001 Check. to 2003. Uh uh, all I had to do was earn money to pay for my truck. The only possession I had that had a monthly payment was my pickup truck. Um did you live on campus? I lived on campus, yeah.
2: Were you did you live in the dorms? I did, McKinnis. Were you a
1: uh RA? No. I used to give I used to give my RA so much crap though.
2: I bet. That's where I'm going with because 'cause you're a team guy. So I'm just curious yeah. as to how, how it played out because And you you were majoring in what? Biomedical science. Mm.
3: Pre-manual. I was just
2: online looking at some of the degree fields at A&M, and they have that in-med. Yep. Masters of in- Engineering and Engineering and Medical.
3: Marcus wants to do that. I'm not thinking about
2: it. I'm thinking <laughs> I called Lyons. I called one of our buddy teammates yesterday. He's a surgeon down in Houston right now, and I, I was asking him about it. I said, like, hey, man, I saw this little in-med program on the, at A&M. He's like, There's some of them boys work next door. He's like, it's pretty cool. Engineering and Medical. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, go ahead. So yes. Yeah, so if, yeah. no, uh, if you're not into the military... Cause I, I kind of wasn't wasn't either. And this is where I, I'm getting curious. I've started asking team guys this, only for nostalgic purposes. Like, what got you into the team thing? How did you even hear about our our fraternity? <sighs> I didn't know what a Navy SEAL was when it hurt because the Corps at A and M's huge. Did yeah, you, they oh, weren't yeah. on your so, cage or anything. No, was? they did. Um, okay, um, so
1: my, my buddy that I went to high school with graduated a year before me. He went and immediately went to the Corps of Cadets. Um, and then me and the guy that graduated second in our class, because I graduated third. Um, we, uh, at A M? No, at, at, at high, oh, school. high school. Oh, no. man, you're
2: that smart? Well, I,
1: I graduated, you know, sum cum laude
2: eventually. Well, good for you, man. You know what? Freaking good yeah. for you. That was like 20 years later, but you know, nobody keeps up with that kind of time. That's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but he, he was in the core. So when I first got to Texas a I was like, I don't want to do with core. Like, I just want to let my hair down and, and do my own thing. And, uh, I found myself just not knowing what to do with myself half the time. Like, I'd work, I'd study. Did you get a
2: counselor when you went in? No. You just kind of did it on your own? That's what I did in my undergrad. I feel as if you, when you get to the university, giving advice back to ourselves now. Yeah. I'm like, the first thing when you do when you get there is find a counselor. Yeah. Or somebody. Somebody. That, yeah. No, I was, I was freeballing it yeah, pretty me much. Pretty much, man. Um, not saying it's not a good time, though.
1: No, it was great. I enjoyed college. Uh, but after about two months into college, um, I went and was like, hey, I wanna do I wanna do the core cadets. So I got a hold of my buddy who was already been in for a year, he was a sophomore at the time, went to his his company, Spider D, uh, shaved my head, did all the things and was was kind of going pretty good. I enjoyed it. Uh, but the biggest thing was I needed to pay for my truck. So, you know, I didn't have parents to get like, Hey, can you cover my, my truck payment while I'm in the Because, like the Corps, you're a life. Mm-hmm. You know, you you do the core, you do school, you do the core. It's a full time thing, especially as a freshman. So,
2: so we don't pay for foster kids once if they make it into college. We don't, well, help it's them.
1: covered. like, my foster, um, my college was covered, and I got a bunch of scholarships. It's just, just like anything else that yeah, I had all to all take care of, yeah, like food and stuff like food. that. You know, <laughs> extra stuff, extra like stuff. water and food, yeah, yeah, meal plans and stuff like that. Stuff that usually
2: because well, all a Texas boy needs is his truck, yeah, food <laughs> and water, yeah, that's Whatever.
1: optional. I, I can get that out of the creek or the water hose. <laughs> um so i did uh spider d uh core cadets and that lasted for about four to six weeks uh and i was like hey I, I need a is there any way i can get like some type of work like i don't want to lose my truck it's the only possession i got like it's, if i lose that i have nothing you know college is great and all but um they were like hey you'll be especially as a freshman it, it's a full-time job there's no real way to work you in to anywhere and i was like well i'm gonna have to quit then and then, you know, got this speech from this upperclassman. If you quit this, you're going to quit everything for the rest of your life. Mm. And I was like, all right. Probably not, but uh, I need my truck. <laughs> That's <laughs> motivating as hell. Thank you. But uh, it was like that day, um, the Twin Towers fell.
2: Mm. I was just going to ask you, man. Is this around September 11th yep. when all this was going right down? Right down September 11th. Did you were uh, uh, heading out the door anyways.
1: Yep. I was headed out uh, from the Corps of Cadets um, and kind of had that speech whatnot. Got back from a class, sitting in, kind of packing up the dorm room of the of the deal, and, and one of the upperclassmen brought us in there and was like you know, watching this tiny little you know, box TV, yeah. uh, the second tower fall. Uh,
2: so this was actually happening during 9-11? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh,
1: so at, at first I was like, ah, I need to, you know, thought about staying in and, and kind of completing that, but, you know, that whole adage of I was running out of cash for something I needed, to, some type of job. Uh, I quit the court, went into back to another dorms, normal dorms and uh, started working at the dining hall and uh, working on campus at the bus station. Uh, But during that time, that kind of that whole image of 9-11 and, you know, the invasion of Iraq and stuff, that was all over the TV. And stuff like that just kind of ate at me, especially being a, you know, young, able-bodied male Texan. Um, I I kept thinking to myself, I was like, you know, I need to do something now if I'm going to do it because I'm physically capable now. I can always come back to college. You know, I didn't think about all the brain injuries that I would sustain in the teams. But I was like, oh, I can join the military, and I can come back. I can, I can finish college as an old man. There's old people running around college all the time. I can just come back and do college later. So uh, that's what I did. I started looking into the different uh, branches. Of course, my uh, my first inkling was the Marines because they're the toughest uh, of didn't the know branches anything about over seals. No, didn't even know what a SEAL was. Um, I didn't want to be on a ship. I knew that. Uh, Army was the second one. Uh, my foster dad was actually a— uh, uh, Command so Sergeant you, you're Major. So you
2: were gonna go Marine Corps first,
1: huh? Well, they had that cool commercial with the
2: dragon. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. <laughs> they do. Oh and they had, yes, uh, I are do. Are you with kidding the, me? The yeah. That and was the uniform, that
2: Wh- whoever they get the the square jawed some bitches. Yeah. And when the uniform, I mean, they do. They they they, sell they it, must they, uh, sell it well. they
1: must have. Screened for that one individual guy out of thousands of people because he was sharp, like he was every was like, part of it, his dimple
2: looks sharp. Yeah. man, I, I remember that dude. Yeah,
3: we need to play that commercial in this YouTube clip. Yeah, yeah
1: I remember that. Some
2: of those commercials they work, yeah, those do work. That, that
1: was the one I saw, and I was like, Man, I want to be tough, like, I want to be a Marine. And then, um, I went to the library, it was before the Google area, so I went to the library and researched like boot camps and stuff like that. And you know, the Marines had the 16 week boot camp, and I was like, Man, I want to be tough, like, I want to do something that's hard.
2: Because um, yeah, so, you're tough coming out of Marine Corps boot camp. Oh, yeah. Bootcamp. yeah. No matter who you are, if you go to the Marine Corps it, it, boot Marines camp, are different. I mean, they are. I'm, we, we can be completely honest now. Yeah. Right? There's no beating on our chest around everybody. Them, some bitches are, they, when they come out of there.
1: Any other branches, boot camps, fresh boot camp guys. they tell you that, you know, they're full of shit. Yeah. If the if Marine is straight <laughs> up, Yeah.
2: That's, that's, a tr- that's a fact. They, they, they change your life in 16 weeks. Can't take weeks. that away from them no matter no. how bad we, we want to.
1: Even if they complete Marine boot camp and get out, they are changed for life. Yeah. It's Um impression on them. Yeah. Um, but Whoever came up with that?
2: With them dudes? Yeah. Well, and that, and that, that whole in crucible? a bar, you know? And it's it's probably any, in a bar, right? Any,
1: any department Much designed in a, in a bar in the you know, you know, it's it's gonna 17 be good. Yeah, It's going to be a great That's a good point. unit.
3: Okay, so you're in the library looking at boot camp.
1: Yep. Yeah, uh, just looking up different branches, doing the researches. Uh, obviously, it's all the commercial, so I was looking at the Marine stuff, but I was interested in... Some of the other stuff. And then I came across, you know, Special Forces Army Rangers. And I was like, oh, these guys are cool. Um, you know, did as much research as I could on those guys. And it kind of opened up the pathway to different Special Operations, Special Forces groups. Um, and then the SEALs came up. And I was like, oh, what are these was guys? The book you found? Uh, yeah, it was actually Hell Week, was the name of the book. I don't know. it. still Hell got week? it? Yeah. It's it's an older Good. book. It talks about uh, I'm trying to find we... every team guy book I can. Yeah, I'll have to send you a picture of it. But yeah. it talks. My about favorite we... of the Vietnam dudes. Yeah, it was a Vietnam guy who wrote those a book guys about... tell the
2: best stories. I feel like they tell the best, and they don't tell them. Yeah, stingy son of a gun, dude. Sometimes I'm looking at that. Like older guys, man. They they hold to those stories pretty damn tight. You got to go into the reunions and get blitzed, and I know, and then then they'll tell you. Yeah.
0: Okay, quick, 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Uh, Relationships, lobsters, and the universe. Well, how about businesses on Shopify? Whether you're just starting out or you're scaling up, Shopify is your ultimate companion for building and growing your online store. You can manage inventory, process orders, and even track sales seamlessly with Shopify's user-friendly dashboard. And the best part? Shopify's intuitive program allows you to customize your storefront however you'd like so you can create a unique and engaging experience for all of your customers. They even boast a checkout rate that's 36% better than other leading platforms. I know at T&Q, Shopify has revolutionized the way we operate our store system. It gives us the freedom to focus on what truly matters, and that's you guys. Join the millions of entrepreneurs worldwide powered by Shopify and let's grow your business together. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, they grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TNQ, all lowercase. Visit shopify.com slash TNQ now to grow your business No matter what stage you're in, that's Shopify.com slash TNQ.
2: I mean, I got Chris Carici over there on VHS, buddy. Oh, wow. Look at that.
1: That's awesome. But what attracted me to the whole whole community was that the combat diving. And uh, I love water. Growing up, it can keep me out of body of water—lake, pond, tank, trough. Like I was always trying to find some way to get wet, just regardless, because I loved water. I would not didn't compete in any swimming sports, um, but I was a decently good swimmer, and just loved being in the water. So I was like, you know what? I want to do, I want to do the Navy SEAL route. So of course, I did what any college kid would. I went and bought U.S. Navy SOCOM 2 on P- PlayStation 2, started playing that, pretending I was a Navy SEAL. <laughs>
2: The coverage is excellent. I know you can learn so much from that thing.
1: There's a video
3: game.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, a bunch of them. Yeah, there's tons of them now, but tons back then, because they had that commercial, but
1: the team guys stand overseas and they're playing uh, online.
2: That is probably one of the most quoted things and the best commercial. Yeah. That rec- that's a recruiting tool all in itself. So oh yeah. Oh.
1: We need
3: to pull these. All I'll of never these forget
2: things up. when I saw when I whoever whoever came up with that one. Yeah. Well, well done.
1: Yeah. So I got the game, and then I saw the commercial based a bunch of college kids online playing. Uh, it's a shooter game. It's kind of like Call of Duty games now, but this was like pre-Call of Duty. This was U.S. so Navy SEALs, too. I
4: love
1: it. Um, so all these kids are playing, you know, talking on their headsets. Like, crap, they're all he's on top of me. Crap, I can't avoid it. Man, who are these guys? And it's a bunch of team guys overseas. Oh, my gosh. And like, they high-five each other. It's like shooting fish Fishing in a, a bucket. Yeah. I mean, they're playing these <laughs> kids, and they just kind of lean back. And
2: I thought, right there. Yeah. that That was the... If it wasn't for Charlie Sheen, got me.
1: Yeah. I didn't even see the, the, the Seals movie until I got in the teams. And that was like through well,
2: Buds. What would you think when you saw that? I was blown away. It is, like, right? I was like, I want to be Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah. Everybody asked who are you? I'm like, frigging Charlie Sheen in the teams, man. That's who I tried to <laughs> but,
1: uh, nope. emulate. So that was the, the, the beginning stages. Um, then I went and talked to a Navy recruiter. Went straight to the Navy recruiter. Say, hey, I want to go to Buds. What do you say? Because this is after 9-11. Yep, This is after 9 11. There's a flood coming in. Uh, not for the teams, it was not not passes. Uh, mostly, mostly, most believe it or not, that's right. Yeah, it was college station. Mostly, the guys wanting to go in the teams were going Marines and Army, like because that was the invasion. Like, that's all you Uh, saw was Marines and Army on the TV. You didn't see anything about team guys, right? So, I went there, talked to him, and he kind of looked at me because I was still scrawny and out of shape. I was probably, like I said, like 150 in college, 18, 19 at the time. Um, he's like. You know, a lot of guys that try out for that program quit. And I was like, yeah, I read about that. And he's like, you got a lot of ways to go. So I started that day. I went out and bought this uh, U.S. Navy SEAL fitness book. Uh, Mark Day Leslie or something like that, I think his name was. Um, Chief type? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, on the cover, it's him without a shirt on doing the O course. Yeah, um, So they had a basically a workout program. We'd just push, push-ups, pull-ups, uh, runs, and swims, like, the pyramid stuff and all that stuff, and that's that's what I did. Try to do my first timed run. I didn't make it a mile. I was sitting there walking half time, so it probably took me 15 minutes. See, I, that's happened to me too. I
2: just thought I could run.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm matching. I'm like who, who, who couldn't run? Who
2: couldn't, you couldn't run? Know? Who so couldn't
1: run? I took off five minutes into it. I'm like tasting like that copper taste in my lungs. Just.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't design. I wouldn't design. I'm not a runner.
1: Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? This is this is tough. And then I got to uh, there's like next to the the core dorms. Um, there's the pull-up and dip bars that used to be at A&M. And I jumped up on that bar thinking I was going to rack out like five pull-ups and never done a pull-up in my life, and I, I couldn't pull myself up. I basically hung there for like 15 seconds. My grip gave way, and I was like, man, this is, this is going to be tough. Um, yeah, I got like probably 20 sit-ups and like 15 push-ups. Mm. I looked at that book that I had, and I was like, man, I'm not even at the day one mark right now. Um, but, yeah, you know, I got those swim times because I was always a decent swimmer anyways. Went to the pool there and, and did the, the laps. And that's what I did day in, day out. Um, got a big old tub of muscle milk uh, protein because I <laughs> need to put on some muscle and mass. I was like, man, I'm, I was like literally beanpole status. I, would, I should send just You You were a hard pictures.
2: gainer. Yeah. I was a hard gainer too. I, I, I drink those four times a day. Yeah, that's and then what the I did. In the night, four I would get up and, and have another one. And I, then to, I thought, I mean, I was a good swimmer. And I thought, you see, think seal swimming. Yeah. It's, but you got to run to the water. And, you know, you got to run out of the water and all this other, it's a lot of running.
3: So when y'all are trying to gain weight like that when you're young, are you just eating a ton of
2: like, butter, peanut butter and jelly anything, sandwiches? And protein. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. People are like, oh, I want to lose weight. I'm like, Psh, I don't even fucking talk to you, man. <laughs> my metabolism was so high,
1: I, I didn't gain any size
2: until I went, till post-butts. That stuff burned before it even got to my stomach. Oh, yeah. It was, I, I was, it was running, just... I ran that hot. And then I remember the first time, I never told about this, first time I had to do pull-ups was during the screening test. I thought, because I just thought I could do them. I was like, I could pull myself up. Let me tell you something. It was a struggle. Yeah. And then my my recruiter was a SEAL. So he, he didn't play around at all. Great dude. Bo Walsh is his name. I still keep in touch with him. 175 was his class. Oh, wow. Yep. Great dude.
3: All right. So what about, you're on day one.
2: Yeah, day one
1: you're of going to BSL like yeah, you're not even in the military. No, this is I'm still this at college. This is day one of looking at the book um, and yeah, seeing looking if at you the can books, do the you had the initial conversations uh the big thing with at that time was if you wanted to do a specialty program in your contract you had to work out with a recruiter. Yeah. Uh, my recruiter was a basic navy guy. Cool guy, had the sweet navy mustache, like nobody's business. Right. used car hair. salesman look from yep. head to toe. That's what yep. you want. He was he was, you know, always outside smoking a pack of cigarettes. He was like your typical navy chief. He was a whole tech. Um, great guy. I like talking to him. The other guy that was with him was a little younger and he was he was the one of the recruiters that just was there to pick up college girls. Which is fine. fine. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that that, was, yeah, that was that was his journey in life and that was where he was at. But the the yeah. other guy who was a chief, He literally
2: pulled recruiting duty his whole life.
1: <laughs> yeah that's pretty much. But uh I mean he looked at me and was you know, warned me of the difference. And I was like, I-, I wanna do this and he's like, All right, well you gotta come with this since if I were writing your contract, you gotta come you know, work out with me twice a week. So I basically just did a screener test twice a week. Um, Which is good. Yeah, it was, it was really good.
2: That, that test, because running, people can do that. Swimming, people can do that. The push us, but you put that all together. Yeah. Is when it really gets, even when you get into buds, it still gets you. Oh yeah. If you don't do that, that, that particular test, that one, if you can get that one down to where it's not a problem for you, you're in shape. Yeah.
3: So how long do you have to do that for? Twice a week for how long? So I
2: initially, when I went to talk to a recruiter uh, at the time, they're like, hey,
1: you have to get a specialty rate or just a rate in general so that if you quit, the Navy can use you. Um, and I was like, all right, well, I want to be a corpsman because I was in the medical field. And it's like, ah, uh, it's like a two-year wait right now. Like, everybody wants to be a corpsman because everybody wants to be attached to the Marines, to FMF. Uh corpsman mm-hmm. is like a highly sought out, especially around colleges, because it's a smart rate, I guess. Um, and I was like, well, I don't want to wait two years. I want to get in as quick as I can. Um, What's the shortest day school you got? And they're like, uh, you can do a Mastered Arms. It's six weeks in San Antonio. And it's the military. Oh, in Texas, too, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a military police program for the Navy. And I was like, sign me up. I can mess with guns and, and learn how carry to carry a badge tickets. and carry people. Get, yeah. Up. I mean,
2: what a great idea. Um,
1: <laughs> pretty much. But it was either that or, or GM. Uh, but I didn't think GMs would learn actually how to use firearms, they just knew you had to maintain them some. From what I read, so I was like, oh, I'll just do the MA thing, because being a foster kid, I didn't, I didn't grow up around firearms. Like I didn't, I wasn't allowed to mess with them or touch them or whatnot. Me and my brother had a BB gun one time. We ended up buying from Walmart and smuggled into one of the foster homes. We just shoot each other with. Uh, we got way. It's probably why with they that. didn't give you
2: all guns. Well,
1: as foster kids in general, they're like, we're not allowed to touch guns. So the first <laughs> time I experienced a firearm in my hand was Navy boot camp, and it was the, you know, you got to shoot two rounds of the shotgun, and you shoot this pissed the, the beretta for yeah. I don't know, like five rounds maybe. Um so I was like, oh crap, I suck at shooting. But yeah, went to Master in Arms School. They actually had like a a, a week of firearms training. So you did a little bit I of know you for, were a cop For six weeks.
3: <laughs> yeah, for six weeks. Yeah, but still man, I, I didn't
2: know you okay, go ahead.
1: Yep. Uh so I told him sign me up for that so it'd be quicker. Um and got into the late entry program and basically trained pretty much every day. Like I was always running, swimming, doing doing the screener tests, like pull-ups, push-ups, set. This is here in College Station, right? Yeah, College yeah. Station. Um, yeah, and then October 2003 was my boot camp date,
2: so boarded a plane to Chicago, and it was the coldest I've ever been. In
3: 2003?
2: 2003. I can't wow. figure out what the guy, because my brother went in on November 22nd. I'm like, why do y'all go in right before the holidays? I don't know. I think the recruiters stick you, it's like a bonus for them if they can actually weasel you in on a holiday. To I mean, miss
3: Thanksgiving. My brother,
2: literally the 22nd of November. I'm like, when you show up there, there's not gonna be anybody there. He's like, no, it's gonna be great. I'm like, I, I already been through this. Yeah. And he, he shows, sure enough, he shows up. I- and I, what is it, four, three days after you get to call somebody or whatever it yeah. is, he's like, hey, there's nobody here. I'm like, I, I freaking told you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's like, team guys, you want to get in there. I remember I just wanted to go.
1: Yeah. I, I was I was ready for Buds, though, like I ended up crushing the the boot camp PT test. Um, I actually ran so fast that I, I lapped some of the people that were deal and motivated like five or six people to actually pass it, the actual navy run. So it's like a mile and a half I think at boot camp. But I ran that so fast that I was actually able to help people pass it after like my eighth or ninth lap. Did you get somebody to teach you how to run? No, I had to do it all by myself. You just figured out on your own. I just like was there anyone
3: and else at A and M training to do the same there thing? There
1: was one one guy, um, uh, Mr. Clayton Smith. He actually uh, was on the west coast. He's and team went, guy. Yeah, um, I still talk to him. There's, in this a, day. Few there's a bunch of Aggies now, yeah, actually. <laughs> uh, it was weird because we were training together. Um, I went straight in, uh, and he kind of went in and, and didn't go to buds. But then he ended up going to buds later. Uh, great guy. He went to command and stuff with me as well. Uh, but it was me and him, like we trained together. We actually went. There's a program at the Corps of Cadets that now guys, there is, That there was then too. Oh, okay. Um, where guys are going to buds. And since I used to be in the Corps, but it was still considered a student, we asked like, hey, can we do this little program uh, to work up in fitness? And he's like, yeah, but you have to make it through hell night. Yeah. So basically you crawl through the, the,
2: They can make that rams. suck at a college. You think that yeah. they can, but they can uh, make they, it suck.
1: Oh yeah. And upperclassmen were, were beating us Especially all night. college kids. They can make it suck. We had bear crawls. I'm sitting there. All these kids are, you know, shaved heads and I got hair like I got right now. Cause it was like way post um, my time in the Corps Cadets. Um, bear across through the the golf course, running around on the sand, like wet and sandy. The whole process. Yeah, yeah, well I was I was digging. It. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. It's like, oh, this is this is hardcore. I like this. You know, all the core cadets that probably had like uh, thirty or forty guys, and only ten guys made it through the whole night. Yeah. It was just one night. Um, after that night, me and Clayton made it through that night, uh, but a bunch of the guys that were in the core didn't. And so we got talked to, and we like, hey, since you're not in the core, and we don't want to make other kids feel bad that are in the core that didn't make it, you guys can't train with us anymore. yeah <gasps> So we're like, oh, screw you, we'll just train our own. So me and Clayton, we crushed training oh ourselves. Oh, my
3: gosh. So during this whole time, because you didn't go in until 2003, did you continue school?
1: I did. I did. Um, did uh, classes, drove buses as much as I can, and then just trained to go to Bud's because once I got my my entry date, which was what? October 2003, they told me that. yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry, it's Bud's, I thought. Yeah. Oh, to Bud's? No, Bud's, that, that was just in the Navy. Like, I, my pipeline was, I got it written in my contract, because I was always told, like, hey, get, get it that in, in your contract.
2: Anybody out there going in the military, get it in writing. Because I, I got, like, a, a 97
1: or 98 on my ASVAB, and so they were like, we want you to go nuclear. Nuclear subs. You know what you should
2: do?
3: You're too you smart. Be, you should be on a
2: submarine, and they got great food. They do. They have great food, and when they are on land, they're birthing top notch. Yeah. But if you're smart enough to get sold into the new, nu- My recruiter told me, he goes, hey, don't be real smart. Have some half-dumbass in you so they don't put you into those nuclear reactors. Hey, don't be too smart. <laughs> or, you know, until you're a team guy. Then you have to crawl they, under
1: them. They offered me, like, at the time, it was like $15,000 to go nuclear. Um, Seems like a lot of money back then. It yeah. was. Because uh, this is before any other bonuses for anything else. They're like, we can't give you anything go to Bud's or Master in Arms. We can give you 3000 because you have college credit, but... If you want some cash, they were all, I was like, uh, I want to go to Bud's. I don't want to be stuck on a
2: submarine. Yeah. I want to go to Bud's. And, and we I became a SEAL and got stuck on a submarine. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, it was, it was great. And, and 18 Delta, right? <laughs> no, I didn't go 18 Delta. Okay, so then let's keep going. From yeah. boot camp, you get yep. your
1: orders to Bud's. Boot camp, uh, actually, I was listening to one of the other podcasts you were talking about. like In boot camp, I actually got out of shape. Yeah. Because I was so prepared for Bud's that when we go to boot camp, we were part of the integrated division, so we had you know females and males in our little division um, in this new building. So they were across the hall from us, so we weren't interacting. But every time we got beat, we kind of came together, and we couldn't do no more than 20 push-ups. There were four of us that were going to Bud's in the in that class, and we'd always say something stupid so we could get more push-ups or something. And then yeah, we, that's we, what we started doing, too. You, <laughs>
2: and then we would say something dumb to get in trouble so you could do push-ups to get in shape. But this yeah. is
3: in regular Chicago.
2: This is in regular boot camp Reg- Reg- in Chicago. Chicago.
1: Um, we actually – like the second or third week, the the lead RDC uh, kind of caught wind of it. and His name was Chief Petty, and he pulled us aside. Are you kidding was, me? That's his Chief name. Chief Petty. His name was Chief Petty. He was
2: salty, destined for the
1: Navy. Oh yeah, that was that was his goal in life. He's a great dude, but he pulled us aside and goes, "Hey, I know you guys what you guys are trying to do. Um, because you guys need to stop it. You're you're defeating everybody else because everybody else was just there was people wanting to quit, quit. boot camp because um, second through yeah, right? they're like I can't do this many ups and and like I I did. Like, my boot camp screener, I did 120 push-ups, 115 sit-ups, crushed the swim, um, and crushed the run. Uh, But they didn't have pull-ups and stuff for uh, the regular Navy boot camp. But, like, the screener, I I was all super prepared for Buds. I was like, man, I'm going to do great at the screen test. Um, But, yeah, that eight weeks at Chicago, um, especially our division, because we had – In the wintertime, too. It was wintertime, so we didn't walk very much. Um, the, the blizzards come in, you get locked
2: indoors. Yeah. I mean, and out our cafeteria
1: s- was downstairs, so we didn't walk anywhere. Like, I didn't have to march too much anywhere. But we had to all do the regular Navy stuff, and I was just, like, bored. Yes. <laughs> because I was like... That's, a, that's one thing about it. But, uh... Uh, I remember everybody getting their orders you know, officially, but I already had mine in my deal. I knew I was going to Master at Arms School and Bud's. You know, Some of the kids were like, oh, I'm going to Japan. I was like, man, that sounds kind of cool. I kind of want to go to Japan. I was like, nah. I remember I that to too
2: birds. when they came walking in with their orders. And, and I was we're like, hey, Spain. what do you – Because the first time we were just read orders. Yeah. And they were like, I'm going to this and I'm going to that. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. And we just graduated boot camp. I was like, I don't know where that's at. I don't know anything mm. about geography. But uh, when, you, when you get your orders in, and it said that first page – when it was like view med and it says orders to naval special warfare for a seal, I remember seeing that and it changed my life. I was like, I, I it felt like a, a certificate. Yeah, I felt um, felt real, after real that yeah. When I first got that, um, and, and, and um,
3: when do you get that? How far into boot camp?
2: It's the end.
1: Yeah, towards the end after you get your navy ball cap, mm. you go through. <laughs> quarters, you get a ball cap. You get a navy sure ball, do.
2: You go from recruit from to recruit. Navy. and then it says recruit in real big gold letters. I mean, you just look like a. A recruit with big gold letters on your head, and then it, <laughs> then it goes to a navy ball cap. Yeah, cabin. they they, That's they how have a it's them. a whole whole night evolution
1: process. Of, right? Yeah, uh, it's like when we get our
2: brown shirts in Hell Week, like you go in with a white shirt, and after that yeah. week you, come, you get a brown one.
1: But it was only a night. Um I was at first looking back, I felt bad, but in the, in the moment I was trying not to laugh because some of these people is the hardest things I've ever done in their life. So some of them were like balling, very proud of themselves, and I was like, this is, this whole night was stupid. <laughs> And so I'm trying not to laugh. I'm trying to be respectful. But looking back, I'm like, man, these people were so proud of themselves. Yes. And I, sh- I should have been at the time, but I was. I literally yeah. turned 21 at boot camp, and so
2: that happened to me too. But you got to look at like how great it is for them to get through that. Yeah, you can't capture that at a young age. You know, I feel. But with no. that, when you when you see somebody going through something, and it's like, well, you know, it's a life changing moment. What's yeah.
3: your birthday like in boot camp?
2: Uh, I did push ups, which was. <laughs>
3: Push ups, like 21st. hey,
2: recruit, recruit Han is,
1: is 21 today. Everybody watch him do push ups, and then they did push ups. They okay. give you beer or anything? No, didn't do Nothing. anything, no? I got extra ice cream, yeah, yeah, of course. But uh,
2: the milk at the at boot camp is real cold, yeah, I remember that being real good. Cool. But I would eat, I got used to eating in foster Did they give homes. you two times? Did you get to eat double in boot camp because you're a skinny bastard? No,
1: no, they give <laughs> me they give me extra dessert all the time. I always get extra dessert. I was always hungry in boot camp. I was starving in boot camp constantly, um, but they were giving me dessert. So, uh, no, I, I would always eat like, like 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 I was on a ship, I guess, because my my chief petty was, was like, "You been on a ship before?" And I was like, "No, I grew up in foster care." Nobody would steal my food, so I'd always eat guarded, and I'd eat it so fast. Yeah, and they're like, like "You're, you're like built them. for the navy." And he's like, you know, basically eating like I was a prisoner because I'd eat it so fast because I was just so hungry and it's like, wow. Oh. And they would give me extra dessert because, like, you need to bulk up. You're too skinny. (laughs) Uh, But I graduated boot camp. I gained a few pounds. I got 170. That's what I came into buds at 175. Yep, that's exactly what 170. Got to checked into buds at 175. But spent six weeks. Uh, Same thing. Like during so, Thanksgiving we we did uh, some kind of boot camp class demonstration for the VFW. Uh, Went home uh, on uh, leave for a hot second. Did the six weeks, and then we had Christmas leave, and then I checked in the buds in in January of 2005.
3: When you left, did you go to um, Wayne and Kathy's, or did you go to, is that their name? Yeah. Or did you go to College Station?
1: Uh, When I left, I went to Wayne and Kathy's. Yeah. Like, once I left College Station, I was kind of in my rearview mirror. I mean, I had friends there and stuff, but uh, no one really connected to me, so.
3: Were they so proud of you? Oh, they were. That had to be, like.
1: Wayne was a, a command sergeant major during the eighties and nineties. No, so he actually, right on. he left that out. Yeah, he uh, he ran a artillery unit, so he was supposed to go to Desert Storm. He prepared his his unit, but as you know, that that lasted for a very short amount of time, and so they got him all signed up and ready to go, and then they stood him down. And um, now he was he was super stoked when I told him I was going to join the military. He never tried to push it on us or anything, but you know I respected the regiment and the. The household that he ran uh, when I moved in as a 17, 18 year old kid. Um, And he was just great. So when he heard that I was going to join the Navy, he was booming with pride. And and I told him about, you know, I was going to the teams and he was just even more booming with pride.
2: Um, Some of those storms and shields are hard on themselves, man, but they were so badass that they were only lasted 47 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They just kicked the shit out of everybody. Oh, yeah. They, they, guys, they were, whole battalions coming in, quitting. That, yeah. they overlooked it they think, hey, we didn't get the chance. Like, dude, they're so terrified of you, yeah. man. It was over like that.
1: Yeah.
3: So you get to buds.
1: So get the buds. January two thousand five. Check in. Start uh, the pre and dock phase. You know, we're just kind of they're teaching you how to mess with the logs, mess with the boats, and all the great stuff. How to be a good bud student. So it's not a stressful. What class are you? Uh, at the time, it was
2: two five one. I don't remember anything after my class.
4: It got easy <laughs> after
2: that, but go ahead. Yeah, it was pretty easy. You know, they were giving us tea at the surface. I club. thought you guys got it online, but
1: <laughs> that, that that was that was pre pre Google. So I'm whatever. To now, all right. So you show up.
2: <laughs> show up. Um, you, you know, did, did that? Was that like? I remember my first day. I do, too. I checked okay, in, that's what walked I across the like, deck feeling... in my blues. What, I had that, my... what did that feel
1: like, dude? I was scared. I was like, man, Me I, too. I, I didn't want to mess anything up. Like, I checked my uniform. I had my little national defense ribbon all centered up because during that time, you finished boot camp. You were a boot camp survivor. You got that ribbon.
2: Oh, Yeah, right. So I was, you know, I got Have you seen that T-shirt ribbon. where it has the national defense ribbon that says, I am somebody? <laughs> Whoa, hello, I actually
1: made a tank top <laughs> that says boot camp survivor and it has that national <laughs> dude, It's a good one, man. It's like you, you automatically got it by making it through boot camp because it was a time of war um yeah i was nervous i actually went went checked in with a guy i met at master arm school that was going through buds at the time a guy named daniel conklin um we checked in 251 and started the process uh was that weekend or
2: weekday we checked in monday did you get some special attention or was there things going on
1: uh we got some special attention yeah, of course get messed around with who's the first instructor got a hold of you lyman
2: Lyman? Will Lyman. Yep. Oh, I know who it is. Yeah.
1: We, we, we do. We were at Team Five.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Surfboard hanging out yeah, the back yeah. of the
1: convertible. His, his personality, you'd never tell if he was serious, serious or, not. or if he was pissed off. At... Serious surfer, surfer guy. Frickin...
2: First,
1: first contact, <laughs> you knew he, he would make you feel like your whole life is fucked up. Oh,
2: that guy could rasp and Dude, yeah, he had was, a gift. Yeah, great gift. But he was
1: the he first instructor that I ran that? into. We got beat and then we got showed uh, where,
2: where, where our barracks were at the time. Are you 618 or did you go all the way down to the. No, I went all the way down. Yeah, the... check. Whatever number no that is. 60... Yeah. 604. Four?
1: Yeah, let's Something say like 604. That? Like it was right before they remodeled it, so it was still like super run down. Um, it's unbelievable now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I remember because right when we got done with Buds, they just finished remodeling it. And so, third phase actually went back down there when it was brand new. But they they completely gutted the that whole side of the yeah. Coronado. Now it's completely different now.
2: That's something good for. Them. I'm glad. I'm no, it was there, good. It was definitely some, grown. some of the stuff was kind of.
3: So wrongy. any special moments in buds? So that first you phase. On? Yeah,
2: when you check in, man, because I tell people, like, hey, look, reading those books is one thing. Yeah. And then watching the documentaries, but when you step in there, that's a different something altogether. Yeah. Now the first week or so, the the in doc phase. How'd you do? It was I was
1: stressed out, but it, it, they weren't super hard on you. Um, I mean, they were hard on you, but it See, wasn't I as bad. you. Did you hear what he just said?
0: Well, in I Doc, they're, just trying, to, like that, they're just trying to show you what, what <laughs> Bud's is
1: going to be like. So, um, I mean, they'd still yell at you and you'd still mess up, but you didn't feel like you weren't going to make it kind of right. deal at the time. Um, so, are like, hey, this is how you do log PT. Don't fuck it up. You know, this is how you do boats. Don't fuck it up. You know, this is how you do surf passage. How did you Don't start with?
2: Was It was, bu- was wintertime, uh, so probably not very many. Yeah,
1: it was, I want to say it was about 180, 100, yeah, 100, guys. 100. It wasn't the full class. Um, we actually had a guy walking around in our class at the time that he kept telling everybody, he's like, you're on the make it list. No, you're not going to make it. And he just would go around saying that he ended up quitting day one of, of hell week. I remember when he
2: quit. A student? He
1: was a student? A student yeah. Oh. oh my
3: gosh. This just guy was to just cocky
2: all hell. <laughs> Um, that's probably something to get the fear out of him. Yeah, he was. That sounds it, like it's a coping, coping is. mechanism. Coping mechanism. He was Thank you.
1: Super scared. Oh, my um, gosh. But he would walk around, he just like would judge you. And I was like, what? This guy's. We weird. had that
2: in the beginning, too. There's a couple of guys walking around in their dicks. I'm like, in this environment, what we're yeah. going through right now, you're going to be like yeah. that? You're going to act like you're better, everybody? <laughs> he to last too long. I mean, and they didn't. No, they didn't. Not at all. Buds captures that. Yeah. Like, if you walk in there with that attitude, that's what does well. In our environment, it captures that quick. Oh, yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, so went through that indock phase. Once we got the numbers and we classed up, I remember the first day of, of phase one, bright and early, just getting beat to hell. Day one's the worst. Oh, it's it's horrible. But they're, we, they're trying to get everyone out of there in one fell swoop. Yeah, and it, what is even, We didn't we didn't do the run yet. Like it's three thirty in the morning. We haven't done the four mile run yet. We're getting beat because. We had two students parking instructors' spots. Oh
3: my gosh, what idiots!
1: Yeah, one was uh Jason Cole. You remember Mr. Jason mm-hmm. Cole? Of course, yeah. Um, he, Sorry, him, I didn't and mean another guy an that ended up quitting uh, <laughs> during that beatdown session. Um, uh, parked into the instructors' parking spots, and they first we all got beat for that, and then they got beat even more, and then we all got beat again. Then we did the four mile time run, which everybody failed. Obviously, it's the first day; you're gonna fail that time run. Um, on the beach, four a.m. Four a.m. You're not allowed to run the hard pack, the super high, soft pack. So high tide.
2: Right run running on the water. Four mile time run. Yep. Fail
1: it. Boots, soft sand. You're gonna fail. Um, yeah. That was day one. I was like, holy crap. And that day lasted forever. You don't get done till seven, eight o'clock at night. Nine seven months later. Night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Because someone's Someone's talking about. it's like, hey, did we have weekends off at buds? I was like, we did, but we didn't because you had. We still had to paint our own helmets. <laughs> We
2: are sharpening our own knives. I had to clean the floor. You had to completely pull everything out of your room and you buff did. the floors and everything. Yeah, we On did, weekends? but we didn't. No. Yeah. On weekends. On weekends. Bud Sundays, I come like being at Shawshank. It's, it's a state of depression. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's talk workout essentials. Sure, headphones pretty much always top my list, but you know what truly takes your routine to the next level? It's called FitBod. I rely on this app every time I hit the gym because it takes all the guesswork out of planning my own workouts. It makes it so easy. Every morning, I wake up to a new push notification with my freshly tailored workout of the day. And with over 1,000 workouts and demonstration videos, I never get burnout or have to second guess any movements because it shows me right there in the app. So whether you're a seasoned athlete or just starting out, start tracking your workouts with FitBod because all you have to do is stay a little consistent and FitBod will do the rest. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join FitBod today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off of your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me/tnq that's f i t b o d.me/tnq
2: a bud sunday for any bud student you you ask him about that man cuz they got a phone that they can call mother nature It's a direct line to her, so they pick it up in the first phase office, and these clouds roll in (laughs) Sunday night, and and this gloom kind of overcast shadows. Not the
3: direct line to the Phantom, and
2: and she's different. (laughs) And then, um, oh, dude, Sundays, You know what I was thinking about the other day? Was a freaking dive socks.
1: Yeah. Those nice wool dive socks.
2: That that there's there's things inside Buzz that no one ever talks about that that will break a man. I've seen guys quit over those di- trying to put a pair of dive socks on, they've been washed four or yeah, five times. Because they just become so stiff and they lose their flexibility. You, it's like this wool it's a yeah. people don't have any idea what we're talking about. You can't anybody's had to deal with that. And who's your proctor? Uh Bill Lyman was my proctor in end Dom. And he was your proctor? No. Oh okay. so first phase we had Welvert. Did you ever have any time you we're gonna quit? No. Did it ever thought creep up in your mind? No,
1: I was Did it ever so, creep up in
2: your mind how bad this sucks? It did, but it was it was a comforting feeling. Where was that at? Uh
1: like first week of first phase. What was your Hell Week? Uh so the first one uh was in first one was in March with two five one and then I got rolled into two five two because I got hurt during Hell Week and that's how I started over. How'd you get hurt? Um so the, the log came on my shoulder funny and it did something with a nerve and my whole arm went numb um it was scary because i was like what the hell because i couldn't move my arm couldn't feel it and it's just kind of hanging there and so i was grabbing my other hand i'm holding the log and one of the guys that was in my boat crew he has like three brothers in teams chooch choo mm-hmm. jack and he's like you know put out you know you start ragging on guys that aren't giving their all effort and the instructor calls me over tells me to bear crawl and i can't bear crawl one arm it's like tuesday night wednesday morning of hell week it's like right before we secured the logs um they go me checked go check out a medical and the, the doctor's like, Yeah, you got something going on with your nerve, like it may be nerve damage, could be two weeks, could be two months, could be the rest of your life.
3: Oh my gosh. And I was just
1: sitting there going, What? Like, <laughs> we'll just evaluate you and you got we have to basically put you on med hold for right now and, and see if it gets any better. If not, we gotta kick this you out hell the week. Fleet. Or is yeah. it slug? Yeah. He- hell week, nick like two five one. Like I made it through the first three and a half weeks of first phase. So it's fourth week for y'all? Yeah.
2: Check. And you made it all the way to Wednesday? Yeah. Or yeah, Wednesday? Yeah. And then like, all right, well, we gotta roll you. Uh, if you
1: get better, we'll start you off day one and class up again. So I made it through that far with two five one and got hurt and started off day one pre and doc again. Bill Lyman saw me again, beat me again. Oh
3: my gosh,
1: um, that's the worst. You had to yeah. start
3: all over on two five two. Yeah,
2: I got a double roll. Oh, that's even worse. It was after hell week. I was the second phase. I broke my leg and got double rolled back. But I got picked up in second phase, though. That was the cool part. I was glad I started over
1: again. It it builds definitely. Confidence? That, that, well, confidence, because I knew exactly what was going to happen the first three weeks plus the first three days of Hell Week. But uh, just that camaraderie with the class. Like, every time we picked up a guy, like, later, uh, post-buds, you know, post guys get hurt during Hydro Hell Week, or the stress fractures are too much after hell week that guys would get rolled to the next class give them the heal mm-hmm. and it just wasn't the same for they're them they're the best ones to get yeah
3: what are you doing when you're just waiting to heal and getting rolled to the next class
2: physical therapy yeah uh watching whatever instructors want you to yeah. do. Trying to disappear you get you're really so, good at being not seen
3: you're still working you're oh still yeah doing yeah, yeah, yeah
2: you're still doing things you're doing
1: whatever you can it still to search
2: towards you yeah.
1: Oh, really? Right. They, would,
2: they would march us down with our, all the guys on crutches all the way down to the surf zone. Yeah. Oh, down my it. gosh. We, we had to keep our crutches in the air while the surf rolled in. The <laughs> on their, they thought that was the best thing. Because it's also constant. good for you. Yeah. That's a medical treatment. Cold water. They're icing their wounds. Yeah.
3: With a cast.
2: It didn't matter. with
1: yeah, this.
3: <laughs> <freaking>,
2: talking <laughs> about seals. Like, they don't give a damn. No. Um, it's constant uniform inspections.
1: Like I, I was glad when we classed up again because I'd actually be running around with logs on my head instead of doing uniform, uniform inspections space, constantly. Yeah because you, you never have a perfect uniform especially pre-hell week. It's like we'd have this place called AB Brights that would starch it so it's standing it up and it'd be completely perfect to
2: anybody's standards. Um but you say that name AB Brights, any team guy I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. There's there's one van pulls in I don't know if they still do yeah. pull in there well, but
1: I don't think they do they're required anymore. They somebody complained about it costing
2: I heard you money. didn't have to freaking paint those helmets and no. no. put that urethane over the top of no. it anymore. No. You
4: did that not. was the worst.
2: Because you get like the slightest breeze, you're sitting there like all cornered
1: where you don't think the wind and sand's gonna get it. Because any bits of sand that gets on that helmet, it's completely ruined. You got to start over. Completely, so you're, you you're got to strip it back
2: dancing. This is a day evolution.
1: Yeah. Some Sundays you're sitting there with a the helmet on a stick. There's everybody around you. You're trying to fight guys off, going, "Hey, man, don't get your spray paint on mine." And you're you got to put those stickers completely straight. If you put it on too soon, you'll mess it up. And the stickers on slightly crooked, you got to rip everything off, start over again because it won't
2: go flat. Yeah. And then you got to pour that damn varathane over. There can't be any bubbles. And I saw one time an instructor walked up and grabbed this dude's helmet and was looking at it and saw a bubble in it, walked to the second phase grinder, got on a motorcycle, put that helmet underneath the front tire and rode around the compound with that son of a bitch underneath the front tire, just scratching the paint off it. came back over and then threw it on the ground and then made that thing bounce all the way to the ceiling of the compound. Did the guy quit? Eventually. Yeah, they made, that guy eventually went away. They didn't like him. They don't uh, like I, you. That was a. Oh, you're, yeah. If they don't yeah, like if
1: you. Yeah, they good. don't like you. And, and if you're, at, trying to hide out or whatnot. There's no
2: way you can get through our program if you're if you're like that. No. Period. Oh my
3: gosh. It's okay. An unwritten so how did Kota you do Kota. in phase two? And
2: yeah, because you said you were a diver. And yeah. I love the water. I did too. Second oh. phase was a kick in the
1: shorts. I love phase. I love phase two. I well, love you're second a phase. <laughs> um, no, I, I during the uh, the pool week I had nah, to. Nah, I I was went, lying. No, I went No. I loved it.
2: Y'all hear this, America?
1: I love the water, but I had I had to make it to the very last evolution in pool week because I failed the the last final, you know, ditch and dawn pool comp. Yeah,
2: um, you were uh, on the four time.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. I was sitting there sweating bullets. I was like, man, I've... sweating underwater. Yeah, it was weird. I was the most
2: scared I've ever been was during pool comp
1: because I, I the, the the time before I actually passed, um, I failed because like they when they did the whammy knot they tore the hose, and so. I recognized the whammy knot, and so you know I did all the things. I waved off, come up, and they like you could have breathed through that tore in the hose. You should have put your mouth on it. Fail.
4: Fuck. Oh my gosh! And
1: so I was like, oh man, like I because I like very particular procedures. I was like super slow because I'm comfortable in the water. Like during the first phase, where everybody's blacked out, mask full of water, and everybody starts panicking, climbing on each other. Like I would go right below the water and just be cool. Like I, it's like you know what, I'm I'm not crazy underwater. If I'm not afraid of drowning or whatnot. Uh, so, like underwater, when they're messed with me, like I still have my actually, IG Master Chief IG. Yeah, yeah. Um, was the lead diver on the, on that uh, week, and he actually gave us a pool comp video, which was cool. But, you have um, a video of your pool comp. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, no, I ended up passing second phase, uh, and midway through second phase, they had this thing called uh, Legacy Beatdown. So if you had, uh, I don't know if it happened for every class, but our class, they basically pulled everybody that had uncles, dads. Grandpas and the teams, UDTs, and you got a special beating. Like you think you're going to make it through this program because you got you know folks in.
2: That's how much we love you. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, but uh, they pulled me in, and I, I I got beat with those guys, and I'm I'm kind of dumbfounded by it. I'm like, they're like, who do you who do you know that's in the teams? They're like, nobody. I'm like you don't know who Ronnie Han is? And I was like, oh, that's my uncle uh, Uncle Ronnie. Yeah, I got Uncle Ronnie. Um, come to find out, my uh, my biological uncle was in the teams during Vietnam. Oh team
4: wow,
3: still
1: what? No, he actually passed away. Uh, did, you, did you ever get to meet him, or? Uh, I got to talk to him on the phone. He ended up uh, ended up hunting him down because he got in some legal trouble or something and kind of hit out. But then he ended up having a stroke. Uh, my whole family found, found him. So 41.
3: Forty How cool. Yeah. So and you uh, never knew that.
1: I didn't know that until did you find second his picture. Vance. I did. I got his class picture. Actually, okay, that's cool. I actually got his third face picture when he was at the island. Oh wow. So uh, you are okay legacy. That's cool. Yeah. So it so it was, you found
2: that out while you're in.
1: Yeah.
3: Because he was getting beat down for the legacy. He mm. didn't know See, why. See, some beatings are worth it. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Look at that. Dude, it, it, no matter, at that point when I heard that and I kind of was like, had that conversation, they could have literally started doing anything they wanted to me. I was so proud. Oh, it's a ga- I that's was a like, game changer. I was changer. like, are you kidding me? This is awesome. This explains so much some why much I was drawn to this, you know, just because hard as, hard as nails kind of deal. Um, I ended up talking to a bunch of guys from his BUDS class and found out how crazy he was, and it made a whole lot of sense. <laughs> um, but no, he was at uh, Seal Team Wonder in Vietnam. Found uh, you know his DD two fourteen and kind of his discharge stuff. That's cool. Uh, Yeah, he on the buds registry got his class picture. got his individual picture up in my office next to mine. Your dad's brother. Yeah,
2: my dad's brother. It's my mission to throw a reunion for every team guy, for every SEAL that's had a Trident pin on his chest. In twenty twenty eight, when we all we're all gonna meet in one spot. I'm in. I'll be there no matter what. I'm I'm getting that done. I'm putting it out right now on the air.
3: So okay, so you graduate buds and. Do you have to go into the Master of Arms? Is that your no. designation? No.
1: So Master of Arms was the A school before Buds. Okay. It's only like six weeks. It's okay. a backup if you don't make it. Yeah. So
3: what do you, how do you get to choose your like what your specialty is going to be when you're in Buds? What do you mean by like, specialty? Like, don't you, you... You did 18 Delta.
2: That's the only one.
3: Okay. Yeah. So you That's don't choose one. something other one. than that. That's the only one.
1: Besides the that, old? they're like, who, who's... What usually else? it's whoever's got a corpsman background or went to corps school Um, But they ask for volunteers. That's a great question.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't know what you were saying. It's it's the only way.
3: What team did you go to?
1: So Buds, I finished Buds Uh in uh, February 2005. uh, Started SQT. So you don't go straight to a team.
3: Yeah.
1: So SQT started that process. uh, That was fairly new at the time because they did have STT at the team. So basically after Buds, you go to your team and you have to earn your trident through whatever trials they had there. Um, But now they kind of universalized it. Every BUDS class kind of stuck together and went through SQT. Um, That's the first time I heard about Marcus was during SQT, June 2005. They they brought everybody together, kind of put that out, what happened. um, They were looking for Marcus still. And that, like, it lit a fire in me. Like, I was like, man, I can't fucking wait to get over there and shoot people in the face. Oh, my god! Because um, that's, that's... so exactly were, how I feel. You
3: were in SQT in Red Wing.
1: Yep, and was headed towards the... Because a lot of the instructors had been on the teams with Marcus and everybody else and the guys mm-hmm. that went down on those helicopters. So, I mean, they were fired up, yeah. and then, which got us fired up. SQT's is like, you're no longer getting treated like a, you know, a nobody. Yeah. Like, you're like, hey, you're about... Because I got my trident, you know, in August. So we were towards the end of our SQT. We were about to go you know, to... I'm you're
2: treated like a turd. Yeah, You're treated like a turd that's in a toilet. It's like yeah, put in its right place. Exactly. Yeah. Oh it doesn't stink as bad. Yeah. It's the best way I can explain you're, it. Yeah, you know, pretty like,
1: much. You're not getting stepped in. Yeah. 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 It's like,
2: there he is. You yeah. Know. Yeah,
1: there's, there's, there's a turd. He, he'd be polished yeah. a little bit better. Um, yeah, so August 2005, I got my trident um, and got assigned to SEAL Team 5. Is
2: so, that where you want to go?
1: Yeah, I wanted to go to the West Coast. Did you put that on your dream sheet? How what tells Dream Sheet? Did you just coast like, just, Co- just, so just by coast? Yeah, coast. So they would say, hey, West Coast, East Coast, and STV. And I heard, you know, horror stories about STV. As much as I wanted to be a diver, I didn't want to after going through that whole training process, I didn't
2: want to focus on nothing but diving. See, like, man, I had to go to special deliveries first. I'm a regulator. Yeah. And for those of you I talk to people all the time, man, it's like you no one knows about us.
3: Well now I, I heard would, that I, it's like
2: it's the toughest people, team out there. Everyone thinks still Team it. 6 is. SDV1 is actually Special Delivery 6. See what we there? You like that? <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> you've heard what they turned it into. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's a serious team.
1: I was kind of envious after getting into my career as much as I did, going, man, I'm sad I never really actually got into. Did you ever going, get on one? I got into an SDV. Did we take it for a ride? Yeah. Oh, so cool. when I was at the command, we went and, because right. we were That's right. To call you guys have to do Yeah, right? we had to do some... Uh, interop stuff with, with the SDB team. So we went down there and rode in the SDB.
3: So at Team 5, so SQT, you, that's when Red Wing happens. That's like the first huge tragedy yep. in the Afghanistan war. I mean, there was, um, Anaconda was before that, but while you were in, this yep. was the big, first really big tragedy, and that lit Oh that yeah, that was look, super. Fire.
2: So I was in school when Anaconda went down. Yeah, I remember studying and hearing all about that, and then hearing about those guys, and then I ran into them like in Afghanistan. So we're all connected mm-hmm. it's just yeah. on the timeline. No,
3: I know. I'm just doing the timeline for.
2: Yeah. Uh, so one of the reasons, after reading all the Vietnam books and stuff,
1: that drew me to the teams as well was the, uh, I guess the the attrition rate for guys dying overseas. Like in Vietnam, team guys were like the lowest as far as numbers percentages wise
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I didn't go back to World War II and stuff until later and I found out like you know if you're a team guy you're probably going to die doing the, the scouts and raiders piece mm-hmm. but Vietnam they were feared like all those books I was like man I want to be I want to be one of those guys mm-hmm. so when I heard about this I was like shook and by the same time I was like had a fire lit my ass like all the instructors were fired up they were like going to the you know phase OIC going hey we want to go back to the team we to go back to platoon I know they want guys um, and it was it was one of those things, like, all right, this is for real. Like, we're uh, we're actually going to be face to face with bad guys. We're not just going to kind of talk about it, pretend about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, got my trident checked into Team Five, uh, and then uh, the second or third trip at Shaw's is when I officially met Mr. Marcus and mm-hmm.
2: Morgan. Because
1: um, y'all
3: got on Team Five. I yeah. just
2: gotten back from the hospital, yeah. or from Afghanistan and got out of hospital. And then they moved me to Team Five, and they asked, "What, what, what I, if I needed anything?" I was like, "I would like to take my brother with me." Yeah. So we showed up over there. Which I got to. How you, was I, that? How, I though, was a brand new guy.
3: But how was that like being a new guy and having Marcus show up because you had known like the what happened, and his brother coming, because like, brothers never served on a team together. So what was that like for you?
1: Uh, that was pretty cool. Like, I don't know, it, it kind of solidified the, the family dynamic, the brotherhood dynamic. That was one of the huge things, again, that brought me to the teams was like growing up as a child, I didn't have any connection to anybody. Like mm-hmm. I rarely saw my actual brother because I moved to some of your foster homes. There was no consistency as far as people in my life until the very end of my foster kid career, I guess you could call it, but um, with my foster parents. But everybody else to my life until then – or just passengers, I guess, just mm-hmm. people I've I've introduced myself and seen, but I've never really bonded with anybody until I went to Buds and like I can, you know, tell you everybody that I went to Buds with, that completed Buds with me, everybody I went on a team with, um, like they're a lifelong imprint on my life because of the community, and so you know, seeing those guys was you know another you know all moment, and mm-hmm. uh, the first things that you know we sat down at the Shaw's house and he kind of briefed us on what happened and. It it motivated me even more to like, fuck, man, I can't wait to deploy. Like, I want to kick people's teeth in.
2: (laughs) That was the best deployment. It was the hardest one, the best stack of guys. Yeah. That whole troop task units we had out there from Ramadi, Habania, that whole stretch was awesome. Yeah, it was a good deployment. It was a good deployment. I was a train wreck. Like I just gotten out of the hospital, I was. That's, that's, yeah. They knew that. They yeah. knew but that.
3: How how could you not be after?
2: That was the best part about it because they that, that's why they stuck me back with them. So I was broken up and everything. My freaking and then uh, pissing shit and blood all. Oh, I mean every day. But, you can't. but I mean, it, it started to be a run. It's probably the best thing for him though. Like it was I, the best thing. I for I couldn't me.
1: imagine. Being in his position and then just pulling you out of the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd
2: whoever probably... had the hand, the master chiefs, the XO, uh, ops, DQ, all of them from all the way up to the guys, yeah, include the master chief man, NasJack, keep me in there was the best freaking thing that ever happened to me. I would have broke. Yeah. If you'd have pulled me away from that, because that was the worst part was my, I mean my body. We, we get beat up every day. Yeah. That's, that's whatever. But um, having to be around like I never had time to think about anything else. It was kind of a. It was a perfect place to be. And then Ramani, where they sent us, hell, I definitely couldn't think about anything else. Ramani was serious. It was serious. Like we turned over with Team Three Task Force Bruiser. Yeah, Task Force Bruiser. So you're talking uh, about Chris Kyle uh, and Jocko and and Leif Babin. Like that's who we relieved. Those guys. Mm Yeah.
1: Of course, the two guys that died were the guys I went through buds with, Mikey Monsor and Mark Lee. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, being a new guy, it was like the whole reality of the situation. Like, hey. The only way to survive this situation is to be with your brothers and
2: be ready for it, but just accept that death is a, is a possibility. Um, uh, I'll never – I walked into medical to do my physical therapy and there was a Team 3 guy in there. He had been hit by a grenade, and I'll never forget. I kind of put my head in because they wanted me to see him. Yeah. And I looked and you could tell that he had that Ramadi stare, that yeah. whole – whole, They got in some serious gunfire. Oh, fights. I asked him, I was like, hey man, what do you, you got any advice for I'm taking my boys into Ramadi, what do you need me to do? He's like, pray. Yeah. I was like, roger that.
3: And it was a different, a completely different kind of war than Afghanistan.
2: Oh, absolutely. No, that environment, it was the last stand for all of those guys. Yeah. Like, we got, all right, I mean, it was on in yeah. Ramadi. we got some pretty good gunfights in Sure it In is. Iraq. And our our guys took heavy.
1: So that was got your hit there. first. Yep, Elliot, yeah, my first deployment. So. Your
3: first deployment was Ramadi in 05. Well,
1: I was in Habanilla, but we we. And so we, we rotated. We, yeah, Didn't we matter. rotated. Like we, my my task unit you know, was in Ramadi. Our Habanilla, Marcus's was in Ramadi, but we it was always exchange of guys. Like, hey, if nothing's going on over here, we're going to support these guys. Mm-hmm. There was so much. Hey, I would target. Sets I ran and into missions. a sergeant
2: major one time. We started just we had to at an event and he started talking and he was like you were, where were you at and I started telling him he was like Ramadi and I told him I was at like, Shark Base and I was this guy and I did this he goes you son of a bitch he goes you were the best wordsmith I've ever encountered in my entire life he's like you could write an op sum I would reword something to say the same thing just to get the guys in the fight yep. because I, I was so busted up I got the desk but I made sure them suckers got it Yeah, I, that was my deal you rotate them to me man I'll put you in a fight don't come over if you do not want to fight because I mean we got it on that was right after Mark Lee. Yeah, and Mikey and all them went in. That, that's why we did that. Remember? Yep. And Elliot got blew up, and Elliot got hit, and yep. all them guys. Joe. Fuck it's a good um, place. Yeah, that was. Those guys could scrap.
1: Yeah. Now the the Ramadi guys that we were fighting against were serious dudes. They could scrap, which is good. It was yeah, a, it's good. No, it, it, it's baptizing by them. fire kind of deal. Um. Whew. Yep. Finished that deployment. Um, came back. Uh it was funny because when I checked into Team Five, my LPO can't get the speech like hey you like same thing instructors were telling us like hey you got to be prepared you can probably shoot somebody in the face if you're not mentally prepared for that then you're in the wrong line of work
0: did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement you can still have an ira Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is only good through April 30th, so get started at robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. as of quarter one, 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. You must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA is available to U.S. customers in good standing.
1: And those guys, when I checked in Team 5, they just got back from Fallujah. And that was when the Marines pushed through. So that was like the 2003-2004 mm-hmm. deployment. And those guys were same thing, that getting fight. it on. Yeah. That was serious as well. Because, you know, the same thing, that's when mm-hmm. Chris Kyle just got back from that as well. Um, somebody mentioned about uh, neck and I'd never heard of, of neck before, a development group. Uh, but my LPO was like, those guys are doing the exact same thing we are. We're all getting in gunfights right now. Don't even worry about that right now. You're a new guy, focus on this. I'm like, sweet. Uh, Matt Lenick was my LPO first. He lives here. Yeah, I talk to him all the time. Great guy. I like Matt. He's calmed down are a lot. not calmed yeah. down? Is that that's not really down. the word I would use? But yeah, I mean, I can scary from the fucking Team Five days to
2: now. <laughs> Bro, he talks to me. We talk about the Bible now. He's got kids that are geniuses. He's, he, he, he just looks,
3: switched. Yeah.
2: Switched. We, we he's still there. Yeah. yeah. On Saturdays <laughs> we get together and I'm looking at him. and I'm like, who
4: who are you, man? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Is, yeah. They have breakfast. He's a lot every of fun Saturday. to have deployment. Yeah. You want a guy in a gunfight with you? Is that dude? Yeah. There's a few of them. He's one of them. So,
1: yep. So, that deployment, I actually, towards the end, we went up to uh, Rawa, North Iraq, and we interopted with uh, the Team Four guys that were over there. And that's when Clark Schweller got shot. Um, Mikey, too. Yep. And so, actually, the guys that were up there were, you know, it was Ed a Byers. Rock. Yeah. Ed, so, Ed Byers was one of the guys I was up there with. That's right. Eddie, that's right. And some of the other guys, all those guys were screening for damn next. So that's the first time I heard of that. And I was like.
2: Is that when they did that big grab?
1: Yeah. It was, right? Yeah. And so that was the first time I heard about the command. And I was like, I want to I do that. Like, I want to I be better. Mm-hmm. So well, as soon as I, like that, the end of that deployment, I started training and, you know, getting ready to go and put my package in for the command. Was that fun? The, the process or the command?
2: Branding. No, it sucked even worse. It's like Buzz, right? It was, was worse. It's worse. It's more mental. It's way worse. Yeah, because yeah, you're a team. Yeah, you're trying already. Yeah. I've always started. I never made it. I always I only made it to five.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> he always says, I only made it to five.
2: If you're like, hey, man, are you going team six? It's like, no, yeah, man, I only made it to five. <laughs> Thanks for bringing up old wounds. So.
1: Yeah, I got back from that deployment uh, and wanted to put my package in the screen. Uh, at the time, they required that you had to at least have two wartime deployments. Oh, they kept that? Uh, they were just... Relaxing that because the amount of gunfights were actually. Because I feel here.
2: like something like
1: this, he got sucked over there and went out of buzz. I felt like. No, he he went th- he went. He's through, a five for a yeah, little bit, right? He, was, he went through the fusion deployment, like right when I got to five and checked in. He was going over there because they the amount of gunfights and the deployments were so. Because it used to be before that, they're like, hey, you had Nothing. to, be, you had to be in some type of combat situation. Right, 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 so right. if you didn't go to Bosnia and get in some gunfight, yeah, because that was like Marcinko's deal. Like, hey, we want guys. Yeah, that out. were from the Vietnam era to, to come to this command, not guys just going through BUDS and wearing black mustaches and body armor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that started, they went down to just one, t- one deployment, but it had to be a wartime deployment. You couldn't go to the PI.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> Roger, that. I understand what you're saying.
1: So, uh, yep, heard about that, and I was like, hey, I want to have this next, the next platoon for me preparing to go um, and screen, and I want to deploy one more time to Iraq because it was so intense the first time. Um, and that's what I did the second second rotation. Were you still with five? Yeah.
2: But How long after did you go back over?
1: Did you jump right back in? So, no, I, I did the whole full rotation. So oh, okay. it was another, like, year right. and a half.
3: Were you married at the time?
1: Uh, I was not at the time.
3: Okay.
1: I was not at the time. So I was married out of high school. When I got through buds, we got divorced. And then I got married uh, right when I checked into the command with my second wife. Mm. But at the time, uh, going through at Team Five I wasn't married.
2: What are they at command? Do they say tell you guys not to do that right away. Get, Get married?
1: married? Well, I was already with a girl with who had my first son. You're talking ah runs that check. And that. Uh, that was kind of a different situation, but we got married real quick at the courthouse before I went to screen for Green Team. Um, to kind of officialize everything because a lot of stuff was moving fast and didn't want the way the only way they're going to move her and my son over to the east coast was obviously yeah i get it and if you die dependent yeah and if i die i didn't want to not have anything because every time i make
2: one of those advancements it gets closer yep
1: exactly so yep second deployment uh flugia at team five did that whole rotation and in 2009 i went to uh, green team
2: i tell people the funniest thing you will ever see is us filling out our wills yeah before we, we went over when we were at five, I remember all of us sitting in that, in that big conference room filling out our wheels. I hadn't laughed that hard for a while. Well, we actually also, my
1: first deployment, we got the uh, the Navy Federal uh, million-dollar life insurance policy because um, that was like free pretty much. And guys in my platoon were just putting each other. So it was like one of those things. It was <laughs> twisted because, like, man, if one guy makes it back, he's going to be fucking loaded for life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> then you're like, hey man, you're not going to kill me while we're over yeah, here, are what these... are, or not kill me, but are you going to try and save me though? Yeah. Oh my god. And gosh. guys would leave, was like, how much, how much you need, man? How much your truck? All right, I got yeah. you right here, man. And I just ten percent, ten percent. Oh my this amount of money. I want a Viking funeral. Yeah. and I want Ted Nugent to play the Star Spangled Band. I I'm mean, wait. dude, guys would get. I want George W. Bush to be my casket. You know, yeah. Guy. <laughs> I always... want
3: him to be my pallbearer. You, exactly. you couldn't even
2: imagine what they would come up with as the funniest because you know the war's going to read this and like you guys, you know, it's like, hey, this is what I want.
3: Oh my gosh! Okay, so you get through Green Team. Yeah, so Green
1: Team. So Green Team, we had about eighty seasoned team guys. Like these guys weren't brand new guys at all. We'd all been through at least two deployments to Iraq, mm-hmm. and some guys actually augmented the command in some aspects. And the command was, you know, the reason why they only had such short deployments at the time is because they were nightly hitting you know multiple targets. So um, to screen for the deal, you had to at least two deployments and you had to be good standing with uh, your platoons and whatnot so you couldn't be a shit bird mm-hmm. or anything else like if you were the guy that just went to work and, and and left and always gone for some reason uh didn't have a good reputation for x y and z like you were denied immediately you didn't even get a chance to screen no matter how physically fit you thought you were how good at cqb you thought you were yeah that's a good part about that yeah that was that was a great part because you know you had those guys even though you're in the team you're like man i really hope i don't have to deploy this guy then here.
2: it goes in like we're all in the same university in the navy but they're the rich fraternity yeah.
1: yeah, they're the
2: rich. I remember walking in the first time. I got over there was Sheffield Slab. Yeah, and I walked in there and I was like, "That's this what this is what I thought it was supposed to look like." Yeah,
1: is <laughs> exactly what happened because my second deployment, our second rotation with Five, we went over there and did like interrupt stuff in Blue Squadron at the time. Was, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we when went, they were
2: stuck in those dunes out there. Yep, we uh,
1: met up with uh, Dusty Markham. That's exactly what I'm and talking about. He, he had all these pictures of terrorists, dead terrorists on the table, and he goes, "This is how many." people we took off Battlefield uh, our last deployment and well, there was probably 200 to 300 pictures let me tell you something oh that setup
2: they had was the coolest yeah. I don't know if y'all replicated that if they ever did that again but whoever was running, Slab was there and those guys Yep. the whole location I mean, they found me and AJ out in the desert because we, we had been at that airport trying to get back to y'all because we were making our rotations yep. around there and he just comes walking up I was doing a horror bath in that bathroom for like the second week in a row and he's like what are you doing out here I was like I'm, I don't nobody come get me <laughs> I'm like, we're well, here, walk over here. Y'all had been there the whole time. And it was wow. the freaking coolest. Yeah. So as soon as I saw that matter of and... fact, they shit out a helicopter for us right then and there. Yeah. And that's what I couldn't get. And they're like, Oh, you need a helicopter? I got mine right here. Like it was his own. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, yeah, that was great.
1: National mission that, yeah. asset so they could get what they sit needed. Sit there and sit there.
2: The pots the, the are just sitting there in their bird laying down. Can you need to go somewhere? Let's go, dude. <laughs> that was a lot of fun back in those days.
1: Yeah. For sure. no, Those guys, like the, it's what drug me into it. I was like, Psh, this, so is, this is what I thought about being a team guy was all about.
3: When you're going through green team, do you get to choose which uh, team you're going to go to? What? No.
1: Um, so they kind of measure kind of how you are in green team and, and personality-wise. So each of the cadre are from each of the different squadrons. Like he'll be good there. Yeah, uh, but also it's like a almost like an NFL draft. Like you get your picture, you get because they keep track of you stats. Like the whole process, it's like a seven, eight month process. The green team, um, and they're like, "Hey, this is this guy. And he's he's you know this, this, and this. He's good this and this. He sucks at this, this, and this." Um, and Got a hot it,
2: girlfriend, pretty cool truck, for, yeah. <laughs> all of the above. Drinks good whiskey. All yeah. that stuff's in there. You can't believe
1: it's, it. It's it's a constant. It's a constant screener. Even on the weekends, like the instructors would sometimes come out with you. Uh, and play it cool, but you know they're judging you constantly. So mm-hmm. if you were that idiot that just got blitzed on the weekends, they're like noted. Yeah, um, that, 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 that's not the point. Yeah,
2: uh, <laughs> sometimes because you know when we were at five, we got pretty good at that.
1: We you know had a full size bar built in the into in the high bay. into the high bay. Yeah, and
2: one of our platoon guys got hit by a train.
1: Yeah, okay. I was in
2: it. that. I was in that van. I know that's why I brought it up. It was oh, brand, I was a
1: brand new guy, and a and uh, second platoon that's guy was driving, and we're sitting in this van. Coming back from Shaw's, and uh, he's driving, and the train's coming. We all been drinking. Obviously, we just kind of. One guy chose to be driving. Um, he goes, "I'm gonna beat this train," and everybody's like, "No!" And he floors it, and that train clips the back of the van, and spun us around, and we kind of rolled over, and we're like, "What the hell?" So we you got, a, hit we yeah.
3: got hit by a train. Yeah,
2: by train. Isn't that great?
3: Oh my great god! Great story. And they moved too. He's
2: telling it wrong though, because there was a new guy behind the wheel, and they were they were like, "You fucking new guy, you better beat this train." Yeah. Right. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, he he didn't
1: uh, he didn't stay in the team for very much.
2: Oh my god, man, that was the funniest. I was laying there. Did anybody get
3: hurt? No no we got
1: hurt. We just all peed ourselves pretty much. But it just it messed up that van and obviously trying to beat a train. Brand
2: new fifteen pack silver, right? Yeah, had that freaking.
3: Goody plates for anyone listening. Do not try to beat a train.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. I got to do something. I'll never forget.
3: Okay, so what team did you get assigned to? Or um, I, I
1: just it? I got assigned to the command. I won't speak too much about it, but uh, no, it was a great, good group of guys. My first um, troop chief was Lash. Mm, oh, nice. So, yeah. so yep, I was with uh, Lash. Like and one
3: of the toughest looking humans. He looks the part. He looks. Some of our guys do look
2: the part, and and are and are the part. Yeah, Yeah. That's yeah. Him.
0: HelloFresh isn't just a meal kit, it's a lifestyle upgrade. Whether you're aiming to save money, eat better, or simply just reduce stress, HelloFresh has you covered. With farm-fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes delivered straight to your door, every meal is a step towards a more delicious and hassle-free year. As a healthy and pretty busy person, I used to dread spending so much time at the store or even just searching up new recipes. But since switching to HelloFresh, I could not be happier. I'm constantly trying all these unique and flavor-packed meals, and all I have to do is open my front door and follow the directions. It's the best. Are you ready to experience the convenience and variety of HelloFresh yourself? Visit HelloFresh.com slash TNQFree and use code TNQFree for free breakfast for life. Enjoy one complimentary breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com tnqfree TNQ free. Don't forget to use the code TNQ free and discover why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit today.
3: If there was an action figure of what you, Can you would think, imagine being at
2: Buds when that guy was instructed there. I, I would. I don't know. Like I, I had Johnny. Like Hoffman. some of these guys, I, you had
1: Johnny. Yeah, and he was a psycho with a best busted leg.
2: <laughs> Bro, he. I, I thought when we were filming the movie, he was out there, and all the actors and all the team, all the actors were scared to death of him. Like, hey, we kind of scared this guy, and all the team goes, we, we are too. Yeah. A <laughs> yeah. blast. Oh man yeah no we do have them we yeah. got guys in the teams where you know guys come up to us be like, hey, I've Adam only on. I met like, him once
3: but he was I just remember thinking wow you are literally what every human thinks that a seal team six looks like
2: package up an action
1: figure from that command it'd be last yes for sure
3: yeah <laughs> and the name I'm i might mean. be really part of the protocols to get
2: in the community like does he look does he fit into this mold? yeah he does it goes next door he's like yeah it's him man you know? no they the, like each um I, I heard a
1: sean ryan deal recently he we was talking to one of the guys from delta and like same thing with those squadrons each 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 squadron had their own personality so yep. you know which mm-hmm. who's who by just how they carry themselves you don't, don't even have to have a patch on or anything nope. so um, going through green team, you kind of see who those people are and you get stuck with there. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I got, I got with Lash, Lash was my first, uh, troop chief. Um, all right. So when did you come out of there out of command? 2009. I got, Oh, I, well, I went there in 2009 and, uh, I left the command in 2017 when I medically retired. How'd That's you when I first hurt? met you. Yeah. Uh, so s- skydiving. So second trip with the squadron, um, kind of had a, a high winds at the altitude and no winds on the ground. So they dropped us off. I'll, like, only three guys out of that, that lift actually made it to the drop zone. Everyone else was, like, spread everywhere else. Um, I, I got put over a bunch of trees. It's, like, my first – not my first – like, my 10th or 15th actual free fall. So my experience – at school, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was, like, over all these trees. I wasn't getting any penetration. I wasn't going nowhere near the DZ. I was kind of freaking out and had the little radio. And I was like, hey, I don't think I'm going to make it to the DZ. And like, we'll find a good spot to land. And I'm looking around. There's, like, nothing but trees. And so I was like, ah, this is just going to suck. And so I kind of looked at this little pond, and my plan was to either land in the pond or land in the, this road that was right next to the pond. But they still had trees. as in Florida. and had these huge, stupid trees that are like 70, 80 feet tall. Uh, so I'm trying to maneuver my way there, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go in these trees and get stuck in a tree. Because that's what they tell you, all the little deals. Like, hey, you're going to get stuck in a tree. You know, just remain calm. Stay there. Radio somebody. They'll come basically drag you out. So I go and uh, hit this tree. Instead of getting stuck in it, it collapsed my chute, and I fall straight down to the pavement.
3: Oh, my gosh.
1: Um, so as soon as I start picking up speed, because I'm going through these tree limbs, I'm trying to reach these tree limbs. I got feet and knees together. I do the whole army thing. I'm like, oh, prepare to peel left. And uh, I did more than peel left. I shattered my left leg. Oh, And when my I hit gosh. and tried to you know roll over to the side, I hit so hard that I shattered my left leg, and I broke my back. Mm. And I'm laying there on the pavement just devastated because it was an excruciating amount of pain i didn't just like break it like shattered all the bones of my lower leg above my ankle uh, corman runs up to me who is it uh i don't know who this is. it was a attachment oh, okay was like
2: who yeah
1: <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a team guy corman it was a regular corman um he runs up to me he goes hey are you all right and i was like no i'm 100 sure i broke my left leg and he, he grabs my my leg and he pulls off my shoe from the heel and just rips it off instead of cutting it off and, yeah. of course, it's like a bag of broken glass, my leg is. So everything's just... Yeah. Uh, and he's like, ah! And I'm screaming at him. I want to punch him, but I can't because my back's broke, so I can't really move either. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the guys come in. that Corman ended up getting fired from that incident. But, uh, no, I, like, shattered my leg. And it was, like, two months after making it through... It was January 2010 when it happened. I just made it through Green Team, just got signed to the squadron. And I was like, I can't believe this. Like, I, all my you know path to this point is it's null and void like i'm done like there's no way i'm able to go back to the command with this this injury because the surgeon was all like yeah um you're never gonna walk again kind of deal we're gonna try to repair you or whatnot and i was depressed i didn't bathe or move from the bed for a while oh my god. that's when uh so morgan showed up because uh pete van hoosier was the ceo of the command at the time like the command command freaking guy how about him um and he, he comes to visit me, but Morgan had come in and he goes, Joe, you stink. And so Morgan picked me up and his uh, Ben Ives with him too, and they yeah, both boss. shoved me in the shower and they both held me in the, in the shower in, the, in the Portsmouth and showered me off. It's like, you need to, you stink. You, oh you my need to gosh. stop being so depressed.
2: <laughs> that comes with its own odor too. Yeah.
3: That was in 2010.
2: 2010, yeah, January 2010. So I spent but a few guys in there, right? In the uh, hospital? No, nah, that was just me at that time. Okay. Morgan went in. When, did he, when was that? Later that year. That's right. Because he, he fell from that helicopter. Yeah. Oh,
3: my god. And
2: somebody else. Maddie. Yep. That's right, Maddie. Thank yeah. you. Okay. And Ben Singer. Yeah, and Singer. That's right. Um, you were the first one.
1: Yeah. That was, like, January 2010. And I was there for almost three months because they had multiple surgeries. I had this you know, big erector set attached to my leg. Like... I destroyed what bones I had, and they basically put plates and screws to it.
2: So it just blew up your tib-fibs, your femur, yeah.
1: all that? Just... Yeah, it was it
2: was disgusting. Okay.
1: But they were oh. able to fix they it. They put it back together, and they're like, hey, we'll do rehab and stuff. We've got to keep you you know, through that. Being at the command, I had some of the best physical therapists the world could find because those guys, they go out, and they'll steal them from professional NFL teams, Olympic teams. And yeah, how about that? These guys were phenomenal. That's uh, the place so, to get hurt then, right? Yeah. Oh, if you had to get hurt in the teams, that'd be the place to get it because – uh, they take care of you. No, but like eight months later, I was deployed again in Afghanistan.
3: Wow. Oh, my gosh. They fixed you up good.
1: Yeah, kind of. And part of it was I was just like, no, nah, I'm good. I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. Grind through it. But I was like, I saw the ability to stay in the career path I was in, being at the command. I was like, there's no way I'm going to let a little bit of pain and discomfort
2: prohibit me from. So it took was the there. one to going back. That's yeah. the way I felt, too. I was like, yeah. and that's a, that's a qual on the teams. Like, yeah, as long as they see you try to go back. Yep.
3: But physically, you could do the job. Yeah. You just no. had to bite through the pain.
2: Yeah. Had a nice little ankle
1: brace and and definitely nightly routines to make sure that it yeah. could survive the next day kind of deal. But no, it did the job, deployed to Afghanistan uh, that Christmas. Wow. Christmas deployments, I was used to it being at Team 5. Mm-hmm. We, uh, oh the holiday deployments, so rolled right back into that and was in a KAUST right after the suicide bomber took out Jeremy Wise and those CIA guys.
3: Wow. So then you have a full career, really, at Dev Group.
1: Yeah. Um, so deployed a few times with them. 2012, uh, luck strikes twice with me, and I shattered my right leg. Um, same Not to grade. be outdone. Yeah. Uh, it was... It's, it's frustrating because before that, you know, did like three, 400 other free fall jumps, you know, at night on nods, strange locations. Like we'd go do unknown DZs uh, up in Colorado on these basins and Arizona and stuff next to the Grand Canyon. Like if you miss this, this unknown DZ, you're going off a mountain face. Um, and so, I, you know, doing well, doing the jumping because the squadron we were in, we, we like to do our jumps in. Um, but just uh, August 2012, we just got back from a deployment. Uh, and we're in Denver, Colorado, doing high-altitude jumping, and I shatter my right leg, uh, smashed into an ISU-90. So ISU-90 are individual
2: storage units, 90 That's, cubic feet. I forgot you. That's right. Or I did hear that and wanted to forget it. Yeah,
1: it was, it like was way... Like a
3: civilian storage unit? Like the one you yeah. got out here? In oh, the, in my front gosh. It.
2: But cut it in half. That's what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. What? So next to the, the drop zone, we had uh, all our ISU-90s full of our gear and whatnot. Um, obviously, we were avoiding that. Uh, it was happened This kind of similar to the the first time it happened because it was Friday last jump of the day same thing happened in in 2010. was it's Friday last jump of the day. We were about to be done go to you know hooters and get some wings and stuff like that and I break my leg 2010. this one same thing friday it's like last jump of the day we're going to be done for the weekend. Guys are going to go skiing and whatnot is is supposed to be a you know good good relaxed weekend before we went back to the beach um and I'm trying to do like flat turns and I wasn't really paying attention to my altitude. Uh, and all of a sudden I'm facing the ambulance and it's like, I got like, like 85 feet left before I hit the ground. And I'm like, crap, I need to, fi- my final leg, you gotta have that way before that um, and clear your path. And I was gonna scoot over closer to the drop zone, but other guys were coming in. I was like, man, I'm not gonna smash into somebody because you smash into somebody at 80 feet, you're both gonna go powder in. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to get between these two ISU 90s because I want to avoid the, the ambulance there. Um, and the rule, number one rule with anything, if you look at it, you're going to hit it. So I'm looking at this ISU 90, I got a GoPro on me and I look at my, my hand goes like this. Cause I'm looking at it going, I got to avoid that. But my hand starts naturally doing that and it steers my canopy in last second. Uh, originally I wanted to like put up my arms over my face and kind of cover me. Cause I was like, man, this is going to hurt. I'm going to smash into it, but it won't be too bad. I was moving so fast the last second. I was like, I'm going to throw out my legs. And that's what I did. Threw up my feet. My left leg, with all the awesome plates and screws the Navy put in it before, bounced right off. My, oh my right gosh. leg goes, you know what? You don't have plates and screws. And my foot <gasps> broke completely off and the bone shot oh, right outside the leg. Oh, my god! Shattered everything above the ankle joint as well, as well as snap off my foot. So, yeah. And the first feeling <sighs> I got when I hit the ground um, was rage. I was so upset at myself because you know, it's one of those things like that home alone feeling. I can't believe I did it again. Like, I literally broke my leg, and I probably, you know, all these things about my reputation and, and how I'm going to be known, and, you know, I'm the guy that shatters his legs every time he goes skydiving. Oh, my God. You are. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it is now. I accepted it now. But at the time, I was like, man, I literally just... We even just, got a name for you. I'm, I'm like the example they, they show, and the example they show during the jump phase with that GoPro video, what not to do and how not to be an idiot.
3: Oh, no. Uh,
1: but no, it shattered that right leg even worse than the left one. But uh, I wasn't as depressed in the hospital because I was like, yeah, I did this before. I can do it again. Mm. So same thing, three months in the hospital, multiple, multiple surgeries. Um, it was funny because they rolled me in, uh, got the same exact room I had mm. two years prior, saw all the same nurses, the same doc walks in. He goes, I couldn't believe it when they said that you shattered your leg because I was like, wait a second, we just repaired his leg two years ago. What do you mean shattered his leg? And I was like, yeah, I got another one, Doc. Yeah, goes, there's, there's two legs. of them. There's yeah. two <laughs> of them. Good news is I can't shatter anymore. I only got two legs. Well, how did you work out that
2: one side, you know?
3: Oh, my gosh. That is crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, so, no, same thing. Kind of pushed through the recovery process. Uh, this one took a little bit longer to recover, uh, so I didn't get to deploy right away with the squadron. I had to wait a few months into it, and, but I ended up making the tail end of their deployment on that one. Um, and that was, uh, like 2013, 2014, uh, deployed one more time with the command. Uh, it was actually during the big Houthi takeover. Anybody's hearing about the Houthis in the news right now. So we were in Yemen before they took over and overthrew the government. Uh, when we did that, we actually had to cut our deployment short because they, it was right after Benghazi. So everybody's like, Hey, they're poised to do the same thing. So let's get all the U S personnel out of deal that, that deployment was hair raising in itself, but. No, the Houthis took over 2015, and that was my last deployment with uh, the Navy.
3: Mm.
1: Worked in uh, some ops positions and such like that until I got medically retired in 2017.
3: That's a good run.
1: What'd you come out as? E6. Yeah.
2: Me too.
3: That's a good Best run, place though.
2: To be. Yeah.
1: Well, I, like, I got hurt every time I was up for an LPO position, and the Navy made it so regimented. They're like, you have to have this, which is weird because when we're at the command, we get stuck at these outstations, and we're doing stuff that warrant officers are doing Mm -hmm. but being at the command we're like hey this e6 guy's in charge because he's at the command uh but the navy didn't recognize that so they wanted wickets and every time i was up for an lpo spot uh, i was hurt or recovering and so they kind of skipped me over for a healthy guy which is you know i would do that too just at after twice they're like hey you're so far behind your peers and you're non-deployable now because you've shattered both your legs and can't officially clear you anymore Mm because after that 2015 deployment I had to have more surgeries because the amount of stuff that we're doing overseas, i around kit and body armor and whatnot, it shifted all my hardware. Oh so my I had like some, some of the hardware inside my ankle joint. And I just kept talking, I was just being a weenie. I was like, man, I got, it feels like a ice picks in my ankle. It was joint. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There right. is
3: something wrong with y'all because Marcus did the same thing with his, um, he had a fusion in his spine, yeah. in the lower spine. And he kept saying, "There's something. There's something a little off." We go for an X-ray, and the doctor's like, "There's nothing can be off. It's fused. And yeah. It looks like, it's a like little, you can't
2: bend that rod. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a little
3: bobby pin." And the X-ray showed that it looked like this instead of it looking like I beat this. The shit out of it. Yeah, it was totally through my spine. Yeah, and <laughs> no big. Deal. It's a medical study
2: now, <laughs> as we should be. Yeah,
3: but it shows like I was kind
2: of fired up about it. I was like, yeah, now I got a big one, yeah. y'all.
3: Of the same caliber of mindset. It's a competition you
2: can get jacked up the worst.
3: Yeah, I, have, just like, I have crazy. the best attitude
2: about
1: it. Yeah, the doc was like, "I can't believe you're walking. Like your your joint spaces have zero anything in it. Like the the viscosity of the fluid that's in your joint spaces is slicker than any type of oil they've ever produced on Earth because um, it's made that way intentionally. So even a, something as small as a grain of sand is excruciating. I had a full size surgical screw floating around on there, just destroying." what cartilage I had left oh in my joint thing. I ran around with that for like three or four months. Well, many more months than that because it was the whole workup process and whatnot.
3: Do you get used to the pain or you just fight through the pain You every fight, day? Through it. fight through
1: so it. So you, you no, know your good it. times and bad times, waking up and going to bed was miserable. Midday, your body kind of acclimated for a little bit and then it just, everything would swell up. So I'd wear like compression socks and ice it and take a lot of ibuprofen, you know, ibuprofen water. and be good to go next day. Oh, my god. At least gosh. I thought, anyways. But no, that, that, after that last deployment I did, I'd have more surgeries. And like, you, if you continue your job, uh, you're going to have to continue to have more surgeries because the amount of stuff you demand your body to do, the surgical hardware is not designed for that. It's mm-hmm. designed to keep stuff still. But you run around the mountains of anywhere with kit and body armor jumping on and off helicopters, skydiving and stuff like that, all that stuff's going to shift and you're going to continue having surgeries. And you're not going to walk when you're 40. So we've got to medically discharge you or retire you medically retire so
3: have you hit 40 yet
1: yeah i'm 41 now 41 still walking you're but still i did walking. Uh, i did have to have another surgery uh four weeks ago oh my gosh my really ankles. yeah it's <laughs> oh there he's like yeah. same thing um all the cartilage deteriorated uh bone spurs start forming where the cartilage used to be because the body's like trying to figure out
2: how am i supposed to be walking right now all, right, all set yeah mm-hmm. yeah hey, I, I i'm due for one too and i keep putting it off now i got an injury on the same side, different leg. Yeah.
1: I, I, yeah, my big thing was I was earlier this year, I was sitting there, I've been gritting and bearing it through the pain and whatnot. Um, I was sitting there going, Man, if there's a fire in this house and I got to run upstairs, to get my boys, I'm not going to be able to do it. And mm-hmm. so that kind of panicked me for a second. No. Yeah. Or just get upstairs, yeah, upstairs in general. Yeah. In general, like I can't even crawl on all fours just because of the amount of pain I was in for both my legs the past couple of years. So I went and saw an uh, ortho guy. He took x rays. He looked at me and he goes, You're not walking right now, are you? I was like, yeah, I walked in here. He goes, I can't tell how you're doing it. He says, it's like bone spurs. You have no space. You have no cartilage, like the amount of debris that's floating around your ankle joint right now. I'm dumbfounded. Like, why are you walking? Does that scare
3: you, like scientifically, that you shouldn't be walking, but you are? No, uh,
1: not really. I just know that, all right, cool. I need to wait. Uh, I need to not wait as long when I'm feeling this type of pain to get it looked at. Um, I'm eventually going to have to get my ankles replaced. Uh, But he said that if I were to get it replaced now, that... uh, I would burn through it real fast because ankle replacements aren't heavy duty. I've
3: never even heard of an ankle replacement. They
1: usually do it for, like, really, really old people that just want to stay mobile. Gosh. But as active as I like to think I am, um, I would burn through it in, like, three to five years and have to replace it again. It's just more and more man. surgeries.
2: Man, the tech that got on those legs now. I know. I thought Our about it. guys yeah. like, hey, man, you just want to take the, I take it out the knee. I thought about just cutting it off. Oh, no. <laughs> just take, give me one of those fancy ones over it. and make me run faster. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I talked to Turbo, and Turbo, same thing. He got shot in the leg during Anaconda. Yeah. And uh, he was going through the same kind of procedures, and he's like, just cut it off. And he cut it off, got right back into the squadrons, and ran around for a little bit. I mean, he's doing good. So I thought about it for a hot second, but that, uh, that scene from Dances with Wolves, I was like, man, I can wiggle my toes and I can still move it. And I was like, man,
2: don't take my foot.
3: I love that movie. And
2: from uh, Lonesome Dove, when he yeah. takes that arrow on the freaking knee, man. Yeah. He will, ugh.
3: Do you go to Exos at all?
2: I went
1: to Exos, uh, a, a side program okay. once, but I, I, I've been trying to get on the Exos program down in Florida, mm-hmm. um, but to get time for that is, 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 is difficult at the time. So February. Marcus Inga goes for me.
3: the month of February every year. Okay. I got to yeah. figure
2: that out. Fifteen years now.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I was just curious if you went, because they have a great physical therapy program and s- surgery center that's attached if you have to have a it's surgery. Right there. yeah, Yeah. And it's a bunch, cool.
2: of team, bunch of us running around there. Plus the athletes. Yeah. Got to look into that.
3: It's really, really good. I'll look into
2: it for you. You need to go.
3: So when you get out of the teams and you medically retire, you move back to Texas.
1: We move back to Oklahoma.
3: Oh, you move to Oklahoma. So...
1: Uh, Back in the day when my family did the whole land rush piece, most of them settled in Oklahoma. Where? Uh, Anadarko, Oklahoma City, stuff like that. Um, so I, I found that out like later, later in life. But uh, my aunt and uncle always lived in Oklahoma. I remember visiting them when I was little after my mom died, um, seeing them. They've been in the exact same residence since my aunt was 18. She's like almost 70 now. So um, so I wanted to be close to them just because they were kind of the family i known, and I was kind of at the time I was super bitter about the uh, leaving the teams because I was frustrated I was like I wanted to do 20 years that was my life and they were like hey you're going to medically retire you we're starting the process and I didn't have a plan afterwards mm-hmm. so a buddy of mine was like hey let's uh let's do some firearms training in Oklahoma and I was like cool I'm kind of be closer to the family so as soon as I got done uh, with Virginia Beach I left and moved to Oklahoma mm. so 20 uh, 2017 uh went there had a Married for my, my third time and final time uh, to a lovely lady. Uh, we had two sons that we had in Virginia Beach. Uh, when we moved to Oklahoma, we had a third, Mr. Gunner. Um, yeah, so we moved there in 2017.
3: And that's Morgan. Yep, Morgan. Yes. She's so pretty. She is pretty. She I love shame. watching her Instagram. She's like fun personality and super cute.
1: I know. I try not to spend too much time in front of her because then she'll realize how not pretty I am. <laughs>
3: so oh, i walk away constantly man. yeah, yeah so i think that's thing.
2: it's more of an assignment yeah
3: so i remember i don't remember what year it was but i remember there being a lot of talk just amongst the wives and like texts going through saying that she had found out that she had um was it colon cancer is yep. that right
1: colorectal cancer so yep 2020 she uh She's having issues with her stomach and whatnot and kept going to the emergency rooms. And they're like, oh, you're just constipated. And they're like filling her with, you know, all this constipation stuff. Um, she couldn't eat and she's getting real, real like thin and sick. And she's like, there's something else wrong, something else wrong. Uh, and I was like, we should we should go try to get a colonoscopy or something. Usually they do that for guys, check their prostate. Women's mm-hmm. not as common. And she's, at the time, she was 33. Um, she found find out they had a, a a big old tumor in the where the colon erectile t- uh, attached and it was kind of forming in, inside of her colon and blocking all her digestive tract. And uh, that was scary. Uh, it, you know, her being 33 years old and my kids were five, four, and two, just kind of had the same age I was. Yeah, and that's it. I like, was like, all this flood of emotion from watching my mom die. It was like, all of a sudden, I was like, man, I'm like reliving my childhood. Yeah. Um, that's dead. Yeah as my dad. Oh my gosh. So that
3: had to be terrifying I, for I you. I was already,
1: it was, it was, I was scared shitless. Um, I was already depressed from being out of the teams anyways. Wasn't really assimilating very well. So my mental headspace before that was crappy. Um, but you know, finding out that news, I was just like, those was, you know, didn't know what to do. I was like defeated kind of deal, I guess. Um, but it, it scared me, I guess, to not think about all the other crap that I had going on mentally, because I didn't want to, I didn't want that to, I didn't want to turn into my dad, the way he kind of just fell apart and didn't take care of us as kids, and that's all I could think about was my kids kind of going through the same exact crap that I went through. So um, I was scared. No, we we didn't know because it was like stage three. Um, they had to do all that radiation and chemo, and still had to do surgery and. I um, wasn't sure until after all the procedures were over, you know, what the outcome was going to be because it's one of those things that cancer is scary. Like, mm-hmm. it could, you can could get it all at once uh, out and be good, or it could come back, come back 10 times worse. Um, so, now nah, I was, it was a tough, tough, probably one of the toughest points in my life besides, you know, watching my mom die.
3: That had to be. I mean, especially. Because of you being in the position of your dad and already having that um, depression coming out of the teams and not feeling a part of anything, so yeah. Um, but I feel like as a family, you all handled it really well, um, like supporting her and the treatments. Look like from outside looking in, she's okay, right? Everything, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: she, after they, the all the chemo and radiation and the surgeries. Uh, she, so far, so good. We like to say that. Um, we've got to get her into to get a, another screening soon because it's been a minute since we've done that. But luckily, we came out on top of the process of that. Uh, definitely kind of changed her outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Yeah, that was uh, definitely a
2: process, and she has the warrior scars to show for it. It does that. Yeah. When death shows up. Mm-hmm. I had to start looking at my life as... And this is the best piece of advice I got, was, was an assignment for us. I was like, you and I take pain for fun. Yeah. I was like, but who we live with and who we watch out for in their lives as they're going through it, they're going through their pains. We're there to help them get through it. Yeah. Because we can. Like anybody can get in pain with somebody and be like, oh, this is terrible. This sucks. This that and the other. Or you can send one of us in. Yeah. And the minute it gets tougher, like this is what I was designed for. Yeah. I would have, I would have gave anything in the world trade lies
1: with her at that point in time because
2: that's the hardest thing for us. Like, hey, like, man, just give me that pain, yeah, I'll take it, I'll take it. I'll take whatever you got for it because I know.
1: And it was one of those things, like all the crap that I've been through, and the the broken bones, and the you know, explosions and whatnot, and burn pits and all that stuff. I was like, man, I, I figured I'd be definitely the one develop some type of weird sickness that no one could figure out what was that going
2: on. But. What is that? I guess it scares it out of us. Yeah, it didn't want to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> You guys have wrecked this inside of this thing, man. I don't want that. It's too scary.
3: Well, I believe in the power of prayer for sure. And there were so many people, including me, praying for her during that time. And um, it is definitely a God moment, like how that just was full circle for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, Had some lifestyle changes at the time um, because... Being before that, I was super depressed, obviously drinking all the time, you know, no fitness regimen, no routine. Um, I was all self-absorbed at the moment. And then when that happened, you know, everything from my childhood kind of come back and I I basically changed how how I was living at the moment to make sure I could take care of her. So like whatever I had going on internally, externally, I kind of definitely was like, it doesn't matter compared to this. Like, yeah, she needs me to be there. 100%. Hundred percent. So
3: Well, she's tough.
1: She's tough as nails, hell so, yeah. <laughs> she still puts up with me every day, so
3: <laughs> Well your story is incredible from the time you were five years old faced with extreme adversity. I mean most kids are just scared to go to sleep in the dark and but they've got their parents a couple of rooms away. But to go to sleep and not knowing where your siblings are and being ripped from your your mom being ripped from you forever and your dad, you don't know what's going on.
1: Is he dead? Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. So when I was 18 and uh, graduating high school, Casa, we were talking about, uh, my Casa worker was awesome. He helped get a private investigator and we located him. Uh, so when I graduated high school, he was there, saw me graduate. Uh, I think that his lifestyle choices and the death of my mom really messed him up. He got real hardcore into drugs and alcohol and we tried to help him out, like saying, "Hey, Dad, we forgive you. You know, don't hold on to this. Like we're all adults now. You have grandkids. Let's, you know, try to move on from this." And his addictions and his struggles were just a whole lot for for anybody to handle. Um, he ended up getting hit by a car, high one night, uh, and he ended up getting both of his legs amputated, uh, or one of his legs amputated, and he got put in a retirement home, and uh, like. January 2020, he had a stroke and didn't recover and passing away. Um, I was the only one there beside his side. Mm. So I let him know that, you know, I love him. I mean, I remember the last four or five months he was completely sober because once he got hit by that car, he was kind of in this special rehabilitation care unit. Um, so he didn't have access to drugs and alcohol. And he's like the soberest I've ever seen him in my life. Um, we had some great conversations and great interactions, and it was great just to see him just tell me how much he loved me and, you know, how sorry he was. And I kept telling him, Dad, it's it's not a big deal. Like, I'm just glad you're still here. Like, he could have died. That was before he had a stroke. Um, yeah, I would go see him, like, at least once a week because I kind of put him close to me up in the uh, Dallas area. Yeah, and uh, got to spend another Thanksgiving and Christmas with him, which is good. He got to see his grandkids open up Christmas presents, and he passed away that January with a wow. stroke.
3: Total full circle. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what about your brother and sister? Did they get to see him or did they ever forget uh, him?
1: D- they got to see him a little bit. Uh, Tiffany, my sister. Really? Yeah, right down here in, in the Cypress area. Uh, so traveling back and forth, she did when she could, but Dennis, same thing. He was a truck driver at the time, so he was always on the road. Uh, so, he, I mean, same thing. He did. He could see, her, see him when he could. Uh, and when would
2: your uncle pass away, the team guy?
1: Uh, so my uncle passed away in 2009 when I was going through Green Team. like uh, So we... Like, we kind of located him and found him. He was actually in the Houston area. Um, and I actually talked to him on the phone a few times because uh, he was he was super stoked, another family member yeah. uh, in the teams. And so we exchanged, you know, Frogman stories, which was a good little bonding experience. Uh, same thing, similar. He had a stroke, too, and I found that out when I was going through Green Team. I was trying to make it back. Uh, so I told him the command. They were cool about it. Like, yeah, go see your uh, uncle and stuff. And I tried to make it back before he passed. But, unfortunately, before I could actually see him face-to-face, he passed away as well.
3: Mm. What a cool story. The whole, your whole life.
2: All of our guys got one. You got one, for sure.
3: Yeah, you've got it great. fact, that you keep
2: stepping up for it. And now that we, we're into the role where we have to teach and give back, I mean, the kids are coming online, and then we have this ability. I mean, the only way people really listen is if you've had time in their, in their arena. Yeah. And you definitely have a unique one. Yeah. So, bro, I mean, keep just never, never, st- you know, never quit, never stay down. Yeah. Yeah. A perfect embodiment of that.
3: <laughs> you are, yeah.
2: I appreciate it. Well, you're, you're freaking welcome.
1: How I mean, you can earned it.
3: can people follow you on? Do you, are you okay with people follow looking me you on up the, and... the Instagrams? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, one of the things that got me through buds and SQT and the teams and shitty situations was humor. Um, so beardedfrogman.com dot um, the bearded frog band on instagram i make a, a lot of stupid tank top videos because uh we'll tell about that deployment story so deployed with the uh, the command overseas uh every day is exactly the same marcus knows the deal there's no monday tuesday Wednesday, or friday it's hey are we operating tonight or not oh we're not okay we're going to work out and play video games or whatever we do if we're operating sweet we're putting our kid yeah, on we're going that's
2: a great place to be yeah <laughs> it was great there was no uh, no i you know, was talking looking. about a lot it pisses me off that right. we get to do it our whole lives yeah
1: like I wasn't, I wasn't stressed out if the weekend was coming or whatnot. I was like, I was like, man, I hope we operate tomorrow. Whatever I was never day stressed. That is. yeah. And yeah. That, I was never stressed. Like I ate, out, operated, and sometimes slept. Yeah, that was great. Uh, but we started doing this thing in 2012 where we'd wear tank tops on Fridays just to kind of mark the occasion. It was, <laughs> hey, you were
3: DJ has to be in on that. Oh cause yeah, DJ he wears was part of it tank as well. tops all the time. We
1: because uh, we were big meatheads overseas, so we lifted big and and just you know big burly guys with beards so like hey we'll wear tank tops we we'll work out the gym the ranger kids were next to us they were all pissed off because you know they still had to kind of go with the army standards they had relaxed haircuts but they're still army guys um so they were always jealous we'd walk around the compound because usually at the command no one talks to you and messes with you mm-hmm. at any place you're at overseas because you're there to do a job we'll walk around tank tops it's kind of a funny deal so we had a briefing one Friday, um, and I just was kind of going in thinking it was the same. We get a daily brief. Where like, hey, this is what's going on. You're either going out tonight or not. Um, but I guess it was a big target that night. And no one really passed the word. So everybody's dressed up in their cami tops because the commander of JSOC was on the two-way television screen monster megathon. So his face is big up there. I didn't know there was a two-way camera at the time. I just thought we were just getting intel briefing. So I walk in in my tank top. My team leader looks at me in, in great disappointment, and so does my troop chief. And everybody's kind of standing there looking at me. And of course, I got this big head of, of Votel. He's a four-star general looking at me, you know. And he's kind of looking at me. And I, I kind of noticed that he was looking at me because he could see me. And I look at everybody. I was like, "What? It's Tank Top Friday!" Like, <laughs> and of course, some guys chuckled. I didn't chuckle. get the damn memo. Yeah, obviously. pretty much. I was like, <laughs> so I looked like a jackass, and I totally thought I was going to get my my pee spanked hard for that. Um, but I was told, hey, I need to be more professional. What's look- up with your TPS
2: reports, man? You yeah, know, was- so, but looking back, it <laughs> was know I'm talking about? Like, funny,
1: but in the moment, I'm like, crap, I really messed up, like, I'm gonna have to, have to really do some crappy work, um, I mean, even at the command, if you look like an idiot, you embarrass somebody, you gotta do some crappy work, so, um, no, Tank Out Friday kind of was a thing, and uh, it marked the occasion, it was kind of a funny thing, I always got semi-made fun of it, uh, back in 2012 for it, so, um, I try to make some videos, kind of keep that, that lighthearted humor. That's kind of get me through all my depressing, shitty situations growing up as a kid. Like, I was a goofball in school. I was always the kid that was people would laugh at. And um, as smart as I was, people thought I was stupid just because how, how silly I acted. It's funny because my 9-year-old, Blake, is the same way. Like, he's just 100% goofball, but super smart, like, beyond his years and smart. His teachers love him and hate him at the same time because he's stubborn. Because he's like, I don't want to do this simple work. and Like, give me something challenging. Uh, but same thing, he's a goofball, doesn't have many friends and whatnot. But
3: so you Tank Top Friday videos Tank Top Friday on TikTok and Instagram, yeah. And you're doing the uh training for yeah, so
1: running the training department for GBRS, and we set up uh the KTC's the civilian military law enforcement training. Um, we mostly focus on you know the weapons and tactics side of the house, um, CQB mostly for the military and law enforcement guys. Uh, we, we try not, we don't do the CQB for the civilian folks because a lot of people try to explain to them, like, what, what do you need that for? Because we've had guys call them, like, we want you to teach me assaults. I want to know how to assault a building. I was like, what do you do? I'm a dentist in New York. I was like, why do you want to know how to assault a building?
2: It's a dangerous place living it's in New
1: York. It's a dangerous, yeah. I was like, man, I'll show you how to, you know, some home defense stuff. Uh, that's what we can teach the civilians. No, you're a
2: dentist. Everyone's scared of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of the most (laughs) terrifying things for human beings is go to the dentist.
1: But uh, the the civilian courses we set up are really good. Uh, Like we do a whole lot of the weapons stuff, and we basically give them a little exposure of what a a good training day is. So like I said, the KTC events uh, have a mix of civilians and law enforcement guys, and they always love it. It's a three-day event that we do um, down in Florida and Omaha, and we're trying to look for some places actually down here in Texas.
3: Uh, You need land or what?
1: Uh, it's it's all about the facility so we try to have like lodging and meals and everything that can be accommodating So it's 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 experience nonetheless like we don't need just a flat land um, But I mean if places are close by as far as like hotels um, To house like 20 guys, that's fine But usually we try to take control of their whole day like they'll come in at 7 o'clock. We'll do a workout um, And then we'll eat breakfast together kind of like I mentioned before and it's like all of that's training like they're asking questions constantly we're interacting kind of give him a peek inside of the the world of what we used to live in
3: Hmm. so interesting well thank you for coming on and driving down here
1: oh my pleasure thanks for having me finally yeah
3: yeah that's awesome it's
1: always good to see you Mark. thank you brother